All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Can you describe the rocket, sir? Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nubis and DJ Neko, episode 107 or the Hordes of Chaos on the Metal Time Radio podcast. Neko, how the fuck are you? I'm actually doing pretty good. It's beautiful outside. The weather is amazing. Like I'm, this is this is what I'm built for. This type of weather. It's Me not too. Super it's, hot. I I don't like to sweat. You know, <laughs> I don't mind the cold, but I we don't ever get cold. Cold. We get cold, but we don't get like where. It, it freezes right. your eyelids as soon as you walk outside. We get about 30 degrees. We've that, had occasionally that happens here, but not Not, not like what it does in Wisconsin. I mean... Yeah, none of that crazy shit. I mean, it'll be like 30 degrees, 40 degrees. And that's cold, but I mean, I can it's just... It's mild compared yeah. to most people. I remember being outside in December um, with the COVID regulations, and I wanted to go visit my mom in the uh rehab center for her for her uh, physical therapy and we weren't allowed in because you know covid but this is in december i was standing outside with a jacket on just you know looking at her through her window and i could tolerate it for a couple of hours because it does it's not like so cold that you know my legs more than anything got cold because I have a really nice down jacket. So up top is nice and toasty, but then my legs, you know, they'd start getting the... I don't wear, like, the fleecy leggings or anything. Right. So uh, a lot of new music to get to. You got a little uh, old school stuff in there as well. Uh, we got a rock block coming up. Various topics to get to. Um, a lot of stuff, like, with uh, movies and TV shows. We have our retro movie vault discussion later on. Oh, yeah, and we watched that last night. I was really, I was pleasantly surprised that it still made me feel as, as happy, I guess. It's not a happy movie, but I mean, it like... Well, it holds up. It, it holds up. Thank yeah. you. That's that's what yeah. I, I'm trying to say. It holds now, up. Now, we're going to try to hook up with uh, Ian Zeraldo from uh, Prestissimo. 
if we can, but uh, right now I haven't heard back from him, so we'll see how that goes, but uh, if not, we'll have to hook up with him another time. But, yeah, uh, and it's not a big deal. I've been listening to his... Heart of, or Heart of the Inferno? Yes, yeah. and EP, yeah. it's beautiful. I I mean, I think I listened to it for, for two days straight, and there's one on there that it's called Fire Chant mm -hmm. that I really dug. I'm that like, was his, like, single that he sent out that we played a while back, mm -hmm. I believe. And um, then there was another one on there um, that's about four or five minutes long. It's like consciousness. Yeah. I like that one too. I mean, I like them all, but you know, I don't. I don't want to like get because if if we can get him to come on today, I want to tell him all this in person instead right. of like. Yeah. So we'll get back to so Prestissimo as soon as possible. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll message him and tell him, you know, I, I really listen to it and say, hey, you know, really, really, honestly, but, uh, I, it, it was beautiful and melancholy. I'm just going to, that, we're done. We'll talk to him. <laughs> actually, yeah, he just got back to me. So probably within the next hour or so towards the next top of the next hour, we'll get a hold of him and then, um, we'll speak to him and we'll be able to say everything we want to say. I know. And I, I really do want to tell him how much I liked it. So, uh, just some sad news to pass along, unfortunately. Uh, in tune vocalist LG Petrov passed away at 49. Bile duct cancer was the, uh, the criminal against him with that. Uh, I didn't even know he was, like, ill like that, because he had been doing his, uh, he did, again, it's another one of these things where the band itself split, because you had former members who had won in court keeping the name entombed and LG and some of the other ones went on to do uh, entombed day That's what I was going to say. They they did that. They kind of uh, Queensryche and uh, what was it? Queensryche's done it. Uh, just, yeah, various bands that we've seen over the years. Just, they can't they don't want to go on and make just a new name. They want to be able to say hey, this is my shit too. Then it's, it's like a big ordeal. But um, Always a big ordeal, isn't it? <laughs> There's an article on loudersound.com that basically, you know, was talking highly about LG, which they should. He's a guy that was more than just a death metal legend. He was also one of us. He was a guy who was well-liked, uh, very friendly. He always had a big smile. Guest appearance with, uh, um, I think it was Guardians of Asgard with Imana Marth on vocals there. Uh, he's just, he's a lot of fun. Uh, I grew up, when, right around when I was like, 19 or 20 I remember picking up Left Hand Path and I just mm -hmm. like fell in love with that fucking record uh, he didn't sing on the follow up Clandestine but that's another good record he came back for Wolverine Blues which you know that was their start of their like death and roll stuff that I wasn't so super crazy about but there was a couple of tracks on that record I did like but nothing's ever withstood uh, the test of time for me than Left Hand Path. I mean, that record is just pure gold. Like, that time period with a lot of death metal bands, uh, they stood out a lot, and they made their mark with that record. So we're going to go ahead, kick off our first block within tune from that album. This is called The Truth Beyond. Here's to you, LG. Thank you, man, for all you did.
Looking for great deals on classic and modern rock and metal cassettes? Looking for those rare and classic cassettes from the good old days? Then Tomas Sabinski is the answer. So find your way at Discogs.com and look for seller named Night Wanderer. Thomas not only has excellent and fair prices, but puts extra care when shipping out to customers so that the product arrives undamaged and unscathed. And trust me, I've bought a lot of stuff from him. Comes in top fashion and great, great looks. Again, go to Discogs.com and search Night Wanderer. Alright, we're back. Trying to time this shit just right so we, when we go to interview Ian, we'll be right on time. Okay. So I figured we'd throw in a quick tidbit about uh, Pact of Vengeance, uh, Len Kapazinski uh, production. If you know, we are on good terms with Len. We're friends, and uh, he's a nice guy. We're also Patreons of him and trying to help. Gar- Spread the word. Well, that plus, you know, get some financing for his next project, which is Pack of Vengeance, anything going forward. Like, you know, he's one of those independent filmmakers, and it, it isn't something he's, like, just handed a bunch of money and they say go. It's, you know, you got to actually uh, drum up the money and try to get people to invest in it. So that's basically what we like to do. But I found it interesting because I think even on the poster, maybe. Let me see. Uh, on the right, bottom right oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Len was on his uh, Twitter account, and uh, he's got some names that are being attached to this Pact of Vengeance project. And I found it very interesting for a couple reasons. One, I told you about um, the gentleman uh, whose name is... Uh, oh, no. There you Bronzy. Go. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that's like a doppelganger for Charles Bronson, and he has all these other B-movies and whatnot, but he has like the exact look of Charles Bronson. Like, it's uncanny. It's weird, but uh, he's picking up steam as an actor in terms of a fan base. Like, they're not really going out of their way to say the movies are great that he's in, but they say, dang, you know, he does a pretty good Charlie Bronson. So I, I thought that was cool. Uh, Leo Fong, as we discussed, uh, is joining. He's done some stuff in the past with Cynthia Rothbrook, uh, the martial artist who did a lot of movies back in the 80s and 90s. And then, of course, uh, Thor, the singer from mm-hmm. the band Thor. So that was actually kind of cool to me because I did not expect that. So I don't even know how that collaboration Yeah, I wonder started. how he got a hold of him. I mean, Yeah, I'm going to have to pick Lynn's brain about that one because I didn't see I saw that coming out of left field. You know, I didn't really see that one happening. So uh, that's really cool, and I think that's a lot of fun uh, if that happens. So... For those who are kind of following this and this movie and whatnot, um, be looking for that because you know the actors he's trying to get involved in this. You know, it's not your Tom Cruises and stuff like that, but it's a lot of people that if you're really into you know, like the martial art movies, the underground stuff, uh, stuff that Necker and I follow a lot. We we know a lot of these different actors and actresses that are parts of these movies. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one thing Len likes to do is get like a lot of these diehards that aren't gonna. You know, break the bank. I, there were some. There were some people at one point when we were talking with Len the other day on Facebook that wanted uh, Daniel Harris from the Halloween series uh, fame to uh, maybe come in and do a thing. But the way Len described it was, she's a little pricey because she asked for a lot. She does stuff with Rob Zombie and whatnot for nostalgic purposes for like Halloween and all that. But uh, 
you know, it's just funny because it'd be cool to see her in one of Lynn's films, but obviously you've got to have, you can't be paying out the ass for some of these people, despite, you know. As much as you like them. Right, like she's not someone you're going to say is as famous as Tom Cruise or somebody like that, but she's famous enough to the point that she still charges a hefty fee to have her in a film, so Lynn's got to be uh, conservative about that and who he has. So, and, and sometimes he'll find people who want to do his films that aren't going to rip him, you know. Not rip him off. But right, it's, but not charge It's hard off. because being in an... He's, he's fully financing through his donations and financing himself. And what's really difficult is as a, um, you know... He's he doesn't have like Quentin Tarantino money, right? You know, right. He has to be able to pick and choose what he needs, right? So, and it, and it, and it kind of goes beyond this. Like even if he gets the financing for this film, he's still got to think about mm-hmm. getting some sort of uh, financial reward from this to do the next one. Mm-hmm. So that's really what it's all about for him. But he has a lot of friends that he's met over the years doing these films and. A lot of them make returning visits to his films because they like working with them. That's usually how it works. Um, obviously, he would like to have the luxury to say, "Oh yeah, I wish I could be like Rob Zombie and just go call up D. Wallace or Daniel Harris and have him come do movies." But it's it just not that simple. Work like that, yeah. Right. But, Either uh, way, we're really we've been really impressed with him. Um, I know some of his movies are, you know, they're not like super polished and they may seem a little silly but there's a lot of a lot of action and it's it's what i always say you need to help support the independent artist or these things are just going to go away you're not going to get new ideas it's just going to be these huge um corporations just pumping out whatever they want to pump out i mean it's been a while since we we might need to revisit that that um article we talked about a couple of months ago but it was it was kind of saying why were all the great movies made in the 90s it seemed like there were so many more independent films and and independent type storylines where now everything has to have like a huge story arc and there well, has to you know, be and that's the funny thing is when i think about like even back with the 80s and 90s of the martial arts films that we like we, you and i talk mm-hmm. about we talked about last night like lionheart mm-hmm. um you know, there are movies that John claude did even before Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. One was called Black Eagle. That was like a direct-to-video movie. And you have people, uh, other martial artists like um, Donna Dragon Wilson, uh, Cynthia Rothrock. You know, they were all doing direct-to-video movies at the time. They weren't like big names like Seagal or Van Damme. Or- and it all started out, you know, with a little bit of a smaller. Escape. And that's sort of what Len does. He does these kind of movies where you're finding these like action stars that are doing be straight to video movies. So it, it's a, it's the passion he has for it, along with the passion the actors put into it. And he does have some interesting things. We watched the last movie um, where they had like the witchcraft fight scene, which was something different that we hadn't seen before. And I know that Fat Samurai guy when he was interviewing Len had brought up that scene as well as something they had not seen before in a fighting movie like a martial arts movie now we've had martial arts movies that have horror themes but nothing quite like that so he's just you know he's a guy who does a lot of fun and as neko said we in order to keep stuff like this alive and we have to think of it in terms of like the underground metal scene what we do Mm -hmm. because it's the same way we're not really asking for money we would love to make money at this trust me when i say that 
but the bottom line for us is we're here to provide you all with you know new musical content to give you ideas of what the bands are because there's bands out there that no one knows about and that's what we're here for and when it comes to these entertainment topics, you know, we're just passionate about yeah, we the just stuff wanna, we, we watch. Yeah, we just want to shoot the shit with we're, each other, right? basically. So we get excited for stuff like Godzilla and Kong or Mortal Kombat or even in her case, like stuff like Sex and City. Like, you know, it, it might be boring to some, but other people who listen to the show do like those kind of things. So we try to bring a little bit of everything to the show, rock and metal related mm-hmm. and topic-wise. So we are very big on uh, supporting independent artists no matter if it's in music or film or acting or whatever or even authors like Lou Yardley who we love a lot so we try to do our best to get the news out there and the word out there on these people so that people can take notice and say oh yeah you know I might be interested in that I I mean I I liked his movie it was like I said it's a not a big studio putting it together. You have to, like go. You have to go into. It's what it. we call cheese. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of cheese, but you have to go in there and and instead of them trying to, he's not trying to wow you with like, you know, these huge three D special effects. He's trying to just like take an interesting story and and it was a martial arts story and Len himself is a martial artist so like having that background and being able to put together these movies is is pretty phenomenal I spit pretty phenomenal she's spitting on me I spit on him (laughs) yeah so uh definitely uh keep in mind uh Leb Kabuzinski I always fuck up his name because I'm just not very good at that kind of stuff but um I think that's right. Let Len Kabazinski. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm close to who he is. Uh, how to pronounce it? But uh, I always feel bad when I slide it up. But <laughs> you know what? You you're not. But this is the other thing about his stuff is like I'm pointing out. You know, Robert Bronze is the guy I was thinking of to Charles Bronson look like, and you know, that was a guy I was reading about maybe months ago, and now here it is. I've kind of discovered Len and his stuff. And now there's like this tie-in because like I'm like wow it's kind of cool. That is really cool. And then Thor, Thor, Mickey, John, Mickey, Thor, huh? I wonder how he's reaching out to them. Just like I don't know. I mean, hey, I have a movie coming out. Would you like to do it? And but you know, as a patron, I, I check out some of Len's personal videos that he does for his Patreon people, and like, you know, he he does these little podcast episodes on video where he's like talking about former films he's talking with other people who, mm-hmm. it's more like fast summer guy and all that i mean it does sound similar theme and uh you know he has like his little dv collection up top front and it, it's a lot of like stuff like that like the bronx warriors i watched that a few months back i'd never seen it it's really cheesy but that's exactly what we're talking about didn't you have the terror within i actually told him at the time like i i saw that at the drive-in when i was like 18 along with leviathan so that's kind of cool that he's still passionate about all these old school movies and stuff and i I actually told him i said you know i'd really love to get your thoughts on dario gento's suspiria and he's like oh dude i would so do that like i love that movie so much do you think he's gonna do a a little q a on suspiria uh maybe i have to look out for it i'll just keep hammering him until he does it (laughs) come on give us the suspiria yeah but uh he's he's so good at this and i i hope everyone at least gives him a chance and checks his stuff out all right well let's get back into some music i've got some thrash and heavy metal coming your way got some classic morbid saint 
new stuff from Significant Point. But we're kicking off with brand new stuff from Paranorm. This is Edge of the Horizon.
this is Roger from No Moss. And also Ben from No Moss. Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. Alright, DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. Back with you in the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, episode 107 of Hordes of Chaos. And we are joined by Mr. Ian Zeraldo. Did I pronounce that right? That's right. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. How are you doing? Alright, man. Um, first thing I wanted to get to, because uh, I'm way worse than Neko at this, but pronouncing your, your project name, your band name, is it... Pre- <laughs> Prestissimo? Yeah, it's Prestissimo, that's right. All right, yep. so... That's she, why I thought, it was was it, I right. thought you were Italian. I, was, <laughs> I said, oh, he must be Italian. Well, I am part Italian, but I didn't really uh, particularly name it for Italian heritage or anything like that. It actually uh, comes from... Uh, when I started the project, I was I was like 17 or 18. It was a long time, long time back, and I... <laughs> I, uh, I was kind of a music nerd at that point and stuff, and I it's, it comes from really like a like tempo marking basically. If you like read uh, actual like uh, read music, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like music theory, um, like prestissimo is essentially the Italian word for like very fast. So <laughs> I, I picked like the fastest tempo marking because uh, I thought that would be a you know like I said I was eighteen and I, I thought I was super hardcore. <laughs> Not, not to really like. I don't think I was really taking it that seriously, even even then. But you know, it's just uh, it was a. I thought it'd be an awesome, awesome thing to do. Um, which is obviously kind of ironic because if you listen to my recent release, it's all super slow music. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, th- and I thought that was interesting because I actually kind of looked at your Bandcamp and you have two previous releases it looks like on it they're kind of a few years apart but one's like 2008 and the other's 2012 but like as i'm listening to them they have a little bit more electric guitar in them so i'm wondering uh did you change on purpose with uh heart of the inferno or is it just you wanted to do something different with each pri- uh each album or how to go about yeah, totally. Um, I mean, this uh, started out as just my outlet for like solo metal and all kinds of, you know, with all bringing all kinds of influences. I listened to a lot of other genres besides metal, and I really like wanted to bring in all those influences. Um, and it was really, you know, metal focused for, yeah, my first like uh, three albums up through uh, On the Shoulders of Giants, which I released in uh, uh, 2012. But um, after that, um, I went through I, I went through some uh, kind of interesting period of life and uh, where I, I dealt with a lot of uh, like health issues and things like that and uh, kind of uh, took a break from music for a few years and when I came back to it I was like I kind of wanted to do something totally uh, I wanted to do something in the vein of metal but I wanted to do it like um, just maybe not in a traditional metal sense like now it's traditional metal instrumentation yeah especially since I'm like a you know, I'm a solo artist, and um, like on my previous releases, I'd use a drum machine because I, I don't play like drum set or anything like that. Play guitar, bass, and you know the strings and stuff. Uh, have a lot of like uh, you know virtual instruments and things like that. But uh, like I don't play drums, so um, you know I just thought you know what. Uh, one thing I always find challenging in music, or I find a good challenge in music, is to like set some sort of limitation on yourself rather than like. Like, when I started off, I felt like the sky was the limit, um, and I really, like, you know, 
kind of took it wherever I felt like going at the time. And um, it's actually, find it, I find it a little bit more focused and more creative when I when I uh, actually put some kind of limitations on, on myself. And really, so with this, when I kind of picked up music again a few years ago, after like kind of conquering some of my health issues, I, uh, uh, I really just wanted to, um, you know, kind of create my own sound. And my own sound ultimately was like, I'm a solo musician in a bedroom, you know, like writing riffs and, you know, playing and jamming on my own stuff and things like that. And like, that's, and I was like, there's some magic there that, you know, before I transferred to the record and put a bunch of drum machine and stuff behind it and, you know, a lot of distortion and things like that. And I, I just wanted to, uh, take it in a totally different direction really try to capture capture uh more of just myself just jamming and like the mo- i guess the moodiness of just like because there's a mood of just like a solo guitar you know especially like an acoustic in a very acoustic fashion yeah uh, there's a mood to that and I, I thought there was something that i didn't hear in a lot of metal that i, I could come out with like a metal vibe approach so yeah, you know, I, I kind of noticed that when I was listening to some of your past stuff. Like, there's a, a sense of growth there, and I'm glad you're doing much better health-wise. That's always important, for sure. Um, yeah, so, w- so what are your, uh, like, influences? Like, I know, I think it was you, I think, I was talking to that sort of like Ivar Bjornsson and Einar Selvik, uh, stuff like that. I kind of picked up a little bit on Bathory, but I don't know. Uh, what are your influences with your music? Yeah, so definitely Einar Selvik. Uh, I like Wardruna. His, his project there is awesome. Um, Ivar Bjornsson's awesome. I love Enslaved. Yes. Uh, so yes. Definitely like Enslaved is a... I really... Uh, I love their... I mean, I'm definitely Enslaved is an influence. And like I would say that they have you know a couple songs on every album that are just like 10 out of 10 songs for me. And um, they're really... They just, they're definitely an inspiring band, especially when they bring in a lot of that kind of like uh, Nordic vocal, uh, work that they do. Um, and like combining that with metal, approaching that with a metal attitude is like really, uh, that's pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, other influences, I mean, a major one for me, especially the music I write is Opeth. Oh, yeah. um, they mm-hmm. also have a lot of like, I would say they have a lot of Swedish folk influence in their music. And I really like the way, you know, they bring in these kind of melodic, melodic vocals and brutal and dark and, um, they were definitely an influence of like I wanted to explore on their uh, on Heart of an Inferno was you know they have a lot of like ways of um, expressing darkness I would say and they're not all with just like chugging guitars and like you know crazy crazy evil melodies and stuff like that and so I kind of wanted to explore um, yeah that kind of like darker side of like yeah like Nordic folk stuff and like other like world music I've heard and things like that that also has a dark ambience to it. Yeah, I think that's one reason why your uh, Heart of the Inferno spoke to me and her, because we're, like, really big Enslaved fans, so that's why we recognize that a lot. <laughs> so that's really cool. I, like, I like really like that. Um, so what what is your plans, like, really with the project overall? Because I know, like, there's a lot of space in between because you've got your regular job that you're doing and all this. So what is the uh, plan from here on out? That's a great question. Um uh, I mean, I, I, I'm always writing music, you know, if I, uh, <laughs> whenever I pick up guitar, I'm always, you know, writing riffs or working on, uh, working on, uh, I, I basically, I have more songs that I have some songs that didn't, you know, I didn't quite have finished enough to make it onto Heart of an Inferno, uh, EP, um, that I'll probably be releasing another EP in the future, uh, with Sweet. that, um, and I mean, 
you know, it's uh, as you mentioned, like I, you know, have a basically I have a, uh, I have another like a full time job, so it's like it's kind of like when I can find time for it, and uh, you know, I guess as life goes on, it's, it's getting more more and more difficult to find time for that. So I don't have any like timeline really laid out, but I really uh, um, basically whenever I can get to this stuff is when I get to it, and uh, probably won't be you know. I think it was eight years between uh, my previous release in Heart of an Inferno, and it probably won't be eight years again, <laughs> uh, because I, you know I took probably three, four years off, and during that time, just uh, to deal with my uh, health and body issues, really. Right. So um, <laughs> it probably won't be that long again, but uh, you know, and I also uh, something I also want to do in the future is uh, really uh, keep my releases uh, a little more. Um, focused and with uh, less, uh, uh, I guess, less songs on them. Ultimately, I want to release EPs um, just so I can get them out more often. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's actually pretty common now. I've noticed that with a few different artists, especially solo artists, like, like either do like you said EPs on their own or do like just singles. And I know that Neko, we've been kind of spending a lot of time with your EP right now the last couple of days. Yeah, the, I've been listening to it. And she has a probably, lot to say on it. <laughs> pro- probably like nonstop for two days. It's it's just oh, yeah. it's beautiful. It's melancholy. It's um, it really kind of evokes some kind of feelings in you, and that's that's what I found that was really really inspiring. I you know I don't have like a super long commute to work and back but i drive around a lot i'm like always running errands and i'm always you know here and there so like it would be on in my car and it just like i'd hear the songs over and over again it's just some of them feel like you were saying a little tribal and you know kind of getting back to your roots and i i teach dance sometimes i Right now, it's kind of not happening because there's a lot going on with um, my mom's health and my work and stuff. So I've kind of put that to the side. But I would hear the music and I'm like, that would be something so awesome to put a dance together around. And so I've been it's just been very impressive to me. And I I really liked it. That's awesome. That's a thank you for the nice compliments. Yeah, you're you're extremely talented, man. No doubt about it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think her, what was your favorite tune? It was Fire Chant, because mm-hmm. that was the one you released first, yeah. And the Celestial, um... Ignition? Yes. Or Cere- Cerebral. Cerebral. Cerebral I said yeah. Celestial. <laughs> then Maybe it makes you feel Celestial. No, because yeah. then there's Moonburn, and yep. then I think I kept, like, re- reading it wrong on my display in my car. Now, my car is so old, Ian, that I still have an old iPod plug, like in the glove box. In the glove box. Like you could now, granted when I got the car, it was like state of the art, but you could like plug the iPod in and control it from your radio. And we still have an old iPod. So he um Anubis occasionally will load up an iPod and give it to me. He's like, I want you to listen to these songs and <laughs> I'll just pop it in the glove box and listen and I don't even like you know, and that's what I've been doing with your music for the last like two days straight, just nonstop listening to it. Nice, that's awesome. I mean, I love to hear. You know, I love hearing. You know, when I have that connection with people, people connect with what I'm trying to. Uh, yeah, the the mood I the mood I have when I'm trying to create the songs. It's great to hear that. Yeah, you should <clears throat> definitely do some um, Facebook lives and just do show yourself 
playing and well, you can almost do that like accuse it, but doing it, it's all about time. So. I know, <laughs> I know, but I, I can just picture people being really interested in watching him, you know, play because you're talented. I cannot play any instruments. Like I attempted many times, and I just either never stuck with it or. I just was not as good, at, and I just am very impressed with people who can play multiple instruments. Yeah. <laughs> sure, thanks, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure a part of that is just uh, compositions and arrangements, and, like, yeah, one thing you mentioned on Bandcamp, like, the way you describe the music, dark, acoustic, ambient, uh, around a bonfire, and I, and I definitely get that sense of that. Like, I could sit there go out like out here in maryland we got a lot of like open space sometimes so you go out there and just have a bonfire and i can hear i can definitely listen to this record just sitting there and chilling and chilling having a couple of drinks it, you know I mean? and hanging out yeah i yeah bonnie that's exactly what i was going for it's just something you could you know basically like something dark and like you know because i guess you know if you typically if you go out to like camping or go to a bonfire or something like the kind of music that people tend to play around that is I mean, it's in the same, it, same same kind of instrumentation with acoustic guitars and, you know, maybe some, like, percussion and stuff like that. But usually the mood is not always, like, that kind of, that mood that we like, you know, as, like, metalheads, I guess, you know. So, um, like, I wanted to do something that had more of, a, like, a metal vibe to it, but with that, yeah, with that more kind of, like, primal instrumentation, like, really basic vocals and <laughs> stripped-down acoustic instruments. yeah. Uh, are you uh, familiar with the band Entombed at all from Sweden? Uh, I am, yeah. Because well, uh, we were talking a little bit before when the show first started about uh, LG Petrov passing away, and I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that at all. Um, I mean, Entombed are, you know, they have you know put out, obviously, uh, Left Hand Path is a, just a landmark <laughs> record. Yeah, we were talking of, about that. <laughs> uh, just taking, taking death metal to it in a different direction and put in some rock and roll in there and stuff and you know uh i can't say i don't like you know rotate them they're not like in my rotation all the time but i definitely you know their influence is like humongously like i'm a huge fan of uh uh the band bloodbath and there you they, go. they're they're like direct directly their bloodbath is you know on some of those records they're like almost directly taking taking stuff from um you know left hand path and, and kind of uh, improving on that you know so uh, which is super awesome, you know. So definitely, uh, you know, I it's it's it's, uh, it's sad, you know. Um, it's yeah. Sad to see. It's kind of uh, interesting actually to get to the age where, you know, these uh, you know some of the older older generations are starting to go, you know, or ha have their own problems. And you know, Alexi uh, Laiho from Children of Bodom passed away mm -hmm. a couple of months ago, and I mean, that guy was an enormous. You know, I like Children of Bodom was just in my. CD player all the time when I was in high school, you know, it was just, you know, just things like that. And then, you know, LG Petrov, you know, it's the same thing. It's just like, you know, people start going and you're like, wow, this is, um, yeah, it's crazy. Forget that we're, you know, we're all, we're all mortal. We're not all just going to keep living forever and keep releasing albums forever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, you know, you mentioned Alexi and then like a few years ago, world Dane from nevermore went, I mean, I'm, these are yep. guys that I kind of just grew up seeing when I was younger and I'm just like, God, what the hell? It hates. It sucks being mortal, <laughs> right? <laughs> it really does. It really does. And I mean, stuff like that is, you know, that's like part of like I was talking about. I had my health problems where I took some time off music, and like when I felt like when I came back to it, I was like, I just want to like basically release an album as if it's like the last, 
this is like the last thing I ever do. And like, this is, I'm just going to be a perfectionist about it as much as within my own abilities as a solo musician here. I want to just be a perfectionist and make the best thing I possibly can. Right. So in your downtime, like uh, outside of music, what do you do? Do you have like a family or do you just have hobbies or what else do you do? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I have a career in science, and oh, I have—I mean, I have a family, I have a wife and kid, and um, Good for you. they're you know so supportive of my uh, music uh, music endeavors, and I—I um, uh, I, I like uh, exercise, I like hiking and stuff, I like connecting with nature, camping and things like that. I actually shot some of my—I I did a little like visualizer uh, music video for Fire Chant. Oh like, wow! I did that one while I was camping. <laughs> really really basic but it's uh you know something i something i could do in my you know while i was on a camping trip and uh um let's see sure that was yeah, a lot I, mean, of fun. I, I just like connection with nature and stuff like that very cool i can feel that in your music yeah. i really can I love, I love the, I absolutely, I was just like raving about it earlier and I'm like, I have to save what I want to say so I can say it to Ian personally because it was, it's been amazing. I, I have, I, you know, I think maybe sometimes I'm a bigger critic on, on things than, than Scott is. She'll critique me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And so he'll play some stuff for me and I'm like, I don't. I don't know. And he's like, oh, but it's influenced by this and that. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not digging it. But he's like, here, you got to check this stuff out. And I'm like, all right. And I, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, really, really amazing. Yeah, I often find that, because uh, I, I pretty much know what she likes and dislikes. But she's, she's kind of inconsistent, too, because she'll say, I don't, I don't like this brand of metal. And then I'll play something. She's like, this is pretty groovy. I'm like, well, this is stuff that you don't like. Well, that's what, like, with Ab- Absu, you're like, how do you like yeah. Absu, but you don't, like, totally fill in the blank? The <laughs> she doesn't like oh, Mortician. I, I go through the same thing with my wife, and I'm just like, I don't, you know, some bands that she likes, I'm just like, or I'll just, like, play some stuff for her, and she's she's not, like, into metal like I am, but, you know, uh, like, when we first started going out, she's, she's, like, really liked, like, certain things, and then other things, she's just, like, turn this off within, like, ten seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I don't quite understand your patterns, but okay, that's cool. You know, at least I know what you like and don't like. That's what we do. We're inconsistent. That is our prerogative as women. <laughs> no, you know what? It's not. It's not about that. You know, it's just about whether the, the music reaches you or not. You know, whether it's whether you can explain what the feeling. This is something I really focused on a lot when I was younger. Is you know, in theory, how could I you know make good music or just like kind of recently threw out all those like forget about the rules just for like are you there's only one thing that matters is, is are you connecting with your audience and like does is your audience gonna have like an emotional like gut reaction to that and that's all the only thing that matters like nothing else matters just <laughs> just do that basically and and feel and the connection I my music improved because of it yeah yeah definitely well, we definitely want to, don't want to keep you too long. So, uh, do you want to promote your your pages like Bandcamp and Facebook and all that? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so my uh, I do most everything through Bandcamp. So that's uh, that's my band name Prestissimo P R E S T I S S I M O Prestissimo dot Bandcamp dot com. 
And if you search my, uh, if you search Prestissimo on YouTube, um, I have a uh, YouTube page, which I have a, oh, I'm going to have an actual like playthrough music video coming soon. Um, so you can check that out. And I also have an Instagram and Facebook account. If you search Prestissimo uh, on Facebook or Prestissimo Band on um, Instagram and SoundCloud as well. Um, I'll have all those pages I'm actively uh, posting and promoting right now. So, um, yeah, check those out. Uh, let me know what you think, and uh, I'd love to hear from anyone else who's got uh, thoughts on it or, you know, if it, you know, reached you in any way. I definitely want to, uh, I definitely want to hear about it. Um, I also have, uh, I just uh, got my first copies of my uh, physical media. I got some CDs. Um, so oh, wow. There's CDs up for order as well. Oh, we'll have to check into that because we definitely we, need that. We're one of the people who still buy, like, we have tapes, vinyl, CDs, like, we, and we have the tiniest house on earth and we just keep buying stuff. Yeah. <laughs> DVDs. I know, I, I like CDs. I mean, I think that, you know, it, it supports the artist much more and you also just get a physical, you know, you actually, like, bought something there, you know, yeah. right. to go with it, to complete the package. Oh, Yeah. Well, thanks, Ian. I, I'm glad you took the time out to talk to us, man. It's been a pleasure. And any time that you want to come back on, we would be glad to do it for you. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, and thanks so much, a lot for having me. No of problem, course. man. Keep us updated on your work, and uh, we'll continue to play it, man. Appreciate it. Sounds good. All right, man. You have yourself a good day now. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Good love man that guy. There. Good man. I like him. Oh my god, I love him. Very he... humble, very friendly. Uh, I like that. Very talented. I really think people who, even if you're not like, I know you and I, we we kind of go back and forth with metal. Like we were telling Ian, like some days it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna listen to the most crunchy and you know gory sounding stuff and then other days we're like yeah let's listen to some boston i i feel like what ian was saying um about it just it speaks to he he wanted to make music that speaks to someone's soul mm -hmm. and i feel like his music does i mean it may not be it may not be the type of like get hyped type of, of music but he he made it because he was, you know, he took a personal experience and he wanted to make other people kind of have the same feelings that he had during his, you know, personal experience. And it, it was beautifully done. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's the, the, the growth I'm talking about because of the passage of time with his music. And, you know, and for even for me or you, life is a little bit different when you're a teen as to your 20s to your 30s and so on. So, mm -hmm. like... He's going through some of these things, and so, in a way, uh, Heart of the Inferno is almost like a, a zen-like moment for him, I think. And maybe he would agree or disagree with that, but that's him, like, expressing where he is in his life at this point. And, you know, it's cool as shit that he has the support from his wife, and, of course, he has a kid, which is really great. And he's still able to do this kind of stuff. So even his kid, you know, maybe down the road is going to oh. look at this and say, hey, look what daddy did. Look what my dad did. That's right. I I really didn't know what to expect when you put his EP on my, my iPod. And, you know, because sometimes you'll give me things and I, I'll, like, I'll text you. I don't text and drive children, but I do sometimes. And I'll be like, yeah, this is no... 
this is no, and then I'll be like, oh, this is really good. And then um, today, I hardly talked to you because I, I was just... Busy. Busy. <laughs> busy. And you were, you were busy entertaining my mom. And uh, when I was coming home, I was like, you do realize I've been listening to this EP, like, nonstop for two days. It's absolutely perfection. Like, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to do because even when I go to put some of the stuff that I'm happy with as far as 10 of 10s this year, that's going to be the same process. You're going to be able to go listen to this stuff at your leisure as you're driving around to work and back or wherever and you'll be able to hear what i'm hearing and you may agree or disagree but that's you know irrelevant at that point but either way it's really cool that he's been able to do this and like i think actually i have to i'm gonna have to hit him up and say check out diaspora for norway that's the other guy we've been talking to christopher oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got that very enslaved sound as well, and he's but his is a little bit more crunchy. But he's been doing acoustic stuff too, so and hopefully we get to interview him at some point. That's something I'm gonna have to find out because that time zone's really weird. Where over is there. he? Norway. <laughs> Norway is like I think six hours different from us. Yeah. So, but we'll figure it out. But musically, these guys are probably in tune with one another about what they're. Oh you know, wow! Feeling. They would. They should totally collaborate. Oh, that'd be so that would fucking be sweet. Because we were watching. What were we watching last night? Um, the uh, what was his name? Um, crap. The collaboration with all the different oh, artists oh, oh, that oh, they oh, did. Oh, in Libra. Co- Libra. Thank yeah. you. Libra. You had Anneke in there. Um, Aaron from My Dying Bride, also the uh, violinist. From my Brian Bride, I had a guy from Moonspell, uh, former member of Five Finger Death Punch, a guitarist in there, Paradise Lost guitarist in there. I mean, it, it was just phenomenal. They were... Yeah, it was a, it was a cover of Depeche Mode. Uh, it was a beautiful song. Like, just really well done, and I was excited about it. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing that, you know, it can be done, especially now with COVID and all this. It's that... harder to actually go out and play. And if so... he likes doing... If if uh, Ian likes doing stuff that's like you know short base of like a single or EP, well that's the best way you can collaborate with Christopher over there. And they say let's let's create a song and we'll put it out and see how it goes. And that's really the cool way to do it. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to definitely um, mention that to him. And I think Ian is going to be doing a, a liner for us at some point. So hopefully that'd be kind of cool. Ooh, yeah. I I love when you take your liners just are so good. Like the Nomos one that that just played, it really captures Nomos. It, like that's them. Yeah. It, if you've never met them before, that's what they sound like when they're all together, just like drinking beer. Well, it's funny because in some ways, John was always he's he's actually more the, the more reserved one of the of the four of them. You got Roger. Pretty crazy. You got uh, Henry. Henry's kind of, crazy. But Ben, he's off to fucking hell. You know? <laughs> and, and you hear it. And so it, it's just kind of fucking funny how that shit played out. But uh, cool guys. I love that band so fucking much. Um, and I appreciate anyone. We've got a lot of liner. I've got a lot of new shit we're playing liner-wise, which is fun. Blake did one for us. We're here. Um, yes, and Blake is doing... I mean, he. I don't know if he made it public to everyone, but he was having some health troubles too and he's doing much better which is good it's good to hear i'm 
Yeah, you definitely... It, we're all getting fucking old. This is the problem. Yeah. Like, we're getting old, and then people are having health problems, and then your parents are having health problems, and there's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it's not even COVID-related. It's just random Random shit. health problems. Yeah. I'm like, what the ever-loving fuck? It's we're crazy. old as fuck. <laughs> all right, well, in our next block of music, uh, I've got a song in there from Everture uh, provided by Inverse Records. But we're going to kick it off some Paul Wardingham. This is Fight for the Future, and we'll be back.
Hello, everybody. This is Mr. Joshua Gray. You can catch me live Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon Pacific time, playing Mortal Kombat and showcasing different music, highlighting artists, plus catch the 420 Digi Fest, 420 Digital Festival featuring four Mortal Kombat players, two exhibition matches live, 1 to 5 Pacific time on 420. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. DJ Nibbles and DJ Neko back with you getting ready to jump into our rock block. You know me and my rock block. I love me some rock block. I love me some rock block. Neko's got her pick a week in here. We got some new stuff from Paul McCartney. I actually heard a record from him recently. I thought he died. No. <laughs> He ain't dead. I'm just fucking with it, you. It's like the whole Nelson Mandela thing. I thought he was dead. You'd think he'd be dead by now, but no. You know, actually, the, I don't know if you caught, were ever... I don't know what the right word is. There was a big conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney actually died and they replaced him in the Beatles with a Paul McCartney lookalike. And then there's like all these clues, supposedly, in the songs and um, in like... Sounds the, like a Stanley Kubrick movie. Well, <laughs> su- supposedly there's all these clues in the songs and clues in like the um, the artwork on their albums, like on Abbey Road, like he's barefoot, so he's representing the corpse, and then in in order of how they're walking, it's like the corpse, the grave digger, uh, the priest, and I forgot what the other one uh, was supposed to be. I, I took a class. Um, as I was saying to Ian last in our last little interview tidbit, I am not musical. Like, I very much enjoy music, and I have never been able to quite grasp any instrument. I, you know, I played the trumpet when I was a kid, and I've tried to play piano in college, and I tried to play guitar when I was in high school. It just, I never could quite pick up an instrument so when I was in high school you had to do some kind of music class and it was I half of the semester was this like digital music where you would do composition and you learned how to that's how I know how to do all that editing stuff on the software because we'd have a keyboard and you could play and well, I'm getting pretty good at that you're, you're starting to <laughs> yeah um and then the other half of the semester was kind of like what Ian was talking about, where it was like music theory and you learn about different styles of music. And I don't even know how we... Because I used to really be into the Beatles. I still enjoy them very much, but I think I was in maybe 10th grade and I was really heavy into my Beatles rotation. And my music teacher was telling us all about it. And it's a it's a real like conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney is dead and his lookalike is actually... The one who lived. <laughs> well, anyway, I know, that was the longest story ever. Sorry. Right, that's cool. It's it's interesting trivia there. Uh, so we have stuff from Hard Life Promotions and Grand Sounds uh, Promotion as well. Uh, also have some Prestissimo in there as well, for, uh, featuring Mr. Ian Zelraldo, who we just spoke to not too long ago. So got some of his stuff from his latest EP. 
I'm going to kick it off, though, with this band that contacted me called Trope. And one of the singles they sent me is called Lambs. And they're going to kick off our rock block. So here we go.
What's up everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up.
Chrisismo. Some more beautiful music. Lost in thoughts. And that's definitely what can happen when listening to his music, because it's beautiful stuff. Yeah, like, it's perfect, uh, chill, perfect meditating, perfect yoga music. It's, it's very, I, I have, I did not realize that I, I would like it so much, you know, just something, just, he, as he was saying, stripped down and, and kind of primal that just touched me touched my heart but we're gonna go in the exact opposite we're gonna do a 180 to something completely <laughs> different that also touched my heart what's <laughs> my pick of the week but this you week. know I, I was thinking about because you're a pick of the week and, and I, well, this, we had this same band not that long ago well but I was thinking about today that band because I'm like sitting here saying to myself I know they're so at times divisive with fa metal fans and, mm -hmm. you know, the whole new metal thing and everything else. And I'm, like, saying to myself, you know, to this day, I'll never, never not like them. Like, I will never say that I will dislike Like, of all the bands that came out of that period, they were the ones that kind of kicked it all off. So, like, I will stand by them till the end of time. Even with their later material, some stuff I don't like, some I do. Oh, well, I I. Played some of their later material. Their later material is really good, yeah. And a lot of that's because Brian Welch came back and, you know, the music writing improved. I think it's kind of like... It, it's I don't want to say cyclical, but it's like peaks and valleys when it comes to musicians, you know. They were new and they were edgy and they got that really crazy bass like slappy sound. I don't know how to describe it, but corn only sounds like that. Mm -hmm. They have that 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 like thing, and I don't know how like. Well, it's, I don't it, know what I don't know what it is. It's, it's like it's exactly like you say. You got Fieldy on bass doing his thing, and then Jonathan, his voice. It, we talk about it all the time with like Ozzy and Dio. Like when you hear Jonathan's voice, you know it's Jonathan mm -hmm. Davis. Like you don't mistake it. And the thing is, like. When you go back to those first three records, mainly the first two, uh, the self-titled and Life is Peachy, like... Uh, I wore out Life is Peachy on cassette. I was, I think I was talking to you some time ago about the YouTube channel of uh, people, Vin and Sori, the, the husband and wife, and how they actually played, uh, Vin played um, Daddy, the, the last song in the first record. And how that personal was with Jonathan and molestation and everything else. And I have the VHS of Who Then Now by Corn, which they were showing recordings from that. Uh, same with the last song on um, Life is Peachy. Maybe, is that where Daddy shows up? I thought it was well, Faggot. No, no Faggot's, Faggot's on the first one, mm -hmm. but that's like in the middle of the album. But anyway, they were showing pieces of where... Ross Robinson is like, you know, directing Jonathan about singing the song and making sure it's connecting and, you know, putting everything into it. It's, it's a whole, like, Bruce Dickinson good voice. Yeah, thing. I need yeah. your good scream. So he has Jonathan doing this, and Jonathan is struggling to get through this song because it's so emotional and so uh, personal. And I'm watching these two listen to it on their YouTube channel, and she, the wife, is breaking down crying. Because they're showing the lyrics of everything mm -hmm. that he's saying. And then, of course, after it's sung, they did go down. They break down the song and what it means. And he'd already heard it. She had not. And But 
it was very touching for her because I'm sure they have kids. Like they look like a married couple with kids, mm -hmm. but uh, and they're very nice and whatnot. But you could just see as the song is progressing that she's just like in shock at what's being sang and said, and uh, the way that Jonathan's able to convey that. And, that, and that's the thing, like. From where they started, like, we can sit there and say, okay, yeah, they, they, as you said, they kind of went up and down, they plateaued uh, with issues, and then, like, sort of they went through this lulling period where they were kind of just doing their thing, came back to experiment and went with uh, the sort of, like, dubstep album they did, which was okay, had a couple of good tracks, and then Head came back, and, like, the writing got much stronger, and, they, and the thing is now, they're not so much as aggressive as they were on the first couple records, but they... They know how to write good hooks. They know how to write good songs for radio. Uh, I think what's happening with them, too, is, you know, they were, they started out and they were doing what they knew how to do. Bring out their emotions. And I think sometimes when you have three albums that are completely emotional, I mean, really, really emotional, even though, and like, come on now, uh, Follow the leader was like, <laughs> like, you know, and, um, I mean, how many times did you hear frequent a leash? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but those first three albums, um, was really like, you know, emotion, 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 emotion. And I think sometimes you've put that out there for so long that your emotions change. Like, kind of like you've kind of portrayed your emotions for so long that now is it you're feeling your emotions or are you feeling how you felt portraying your emotions onto the album so they're gonna feel differently they've they've kind of released everything they've got it all out in the front everybody knows they're freaks they know that they've had you know issues they know that they're they everybody is it's all out there now it's not a secret it's not like they have to hide it so now you're back to kind of being a blank a blank space or a, a blank uh, piece of paper and I think that's what they did after follow the leader issues was a little bit like you know oh we're going up and down and it's kind of like well we're, it's kind of like what we talked about with Ian is uh you know they're growing up they're getting older uh, in a lot of ways... They're having said, families themselves. The, the first three records are very therapeutic for them mm -hmm. each. Uh, and now, like, when you go back to, say, like, a song like Never Never, which was done later in their career, that's a little more personal in terms of, like, Jonathan, like, lyrically, how he's like, uh, you know, I don't want to procreate, you know, I know he's married, I don't think he has kids, but, you know, he, he I think he understands that, like, He's probably not mature enough or in a state of mind to have a kid. Like, you know, whoever he's married, it's a discussion like we had, but only different reasons. If he was messed around with as a kid by his parents or one of the parents, he may not want to go down that road because he might be scared of what might happen. And he's not mentally there. But as you said... Over the course well, of the years, kids. they have kids. He, oh, did they? He's been married twice, and he has kids. Okay, so he does. So, he, so, but you know, the music at that time was therapeutic for him to get that shit out. Uh, Robinson was really good at pushing that out of Davis early on. 
but as time has gone on, they've found that, like, you know, they had to change their direction lyrically to, to talk about different things, different issues they deal with. Are you okay here? <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, it's just a growth thing. Like, they're getting past a certain point and talking about different things now that they couldn't talk about before. So... I don't know. I think for a pick of the week, it, you know, this is a band that I'm always going to stand by, no matter how many people may dislike it or hate them for what they start. Some people resent them for starting the whole new metal thing. I love new metal. Yeah, and it's just like to me, they're they're you know, I'm never going to sit there and say, well, they're better than Devin Townsend or they're better than Napalm Death or whatever. But for what they do. They do it well, and they do it better than most of the other ones in that same genre. Like, there's so many bands that came after them and tried to, you know... They Just ma- copy. Yeah, well, yeah, like, look at Stain. Literally, they have one song that I liked. It was the very first song, Mud Shell, they released. I hate but all even, of their music. But <laughs> even that song doesn't compare to anything that Korn ever did, ever. Like, you could take Korn's worst song, that's still better than that song. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Like, I say to people, I say... You could take any genre, death, black, whatever, and you're going to find your A game players, and you're going to find your B game and C game. Your A game. Yeah. And that's it. Like, it it happened in the 80s with all the glam and hard rock bands. Same shit happened. You had all your big players, Van Halen, Rat Dog, and Def Leppard, etc. And then you had started getting into your B grades. Skid Row. Well, Skid Row is probably an A grade. You you put them in A grade? You can put Baz in, in A grade? B grade for me is something like Sleaze Bees or Oh oh I, I put, Every Mother's Nightmare. I put them in like C grade. Like Well, there's worse than that. I mean I, I won't even say worse. I'll say there are bands like uh Tiger Tales might fall into C grade. I enjoy some of their work, but obviously they're not wrecked or mm-hmm. poison or anything like that. So and they all tried to emulate that because they I saw what, what was happening. I think that's what it is, is they see what's happening and then they are just late to the late to the game. So what happens is Korn comes out, does their thing, and they're very original. They took something at Faith No More and Anthrax and... Uh, Soundgarden? No, no, Anthrax and Public Enemy did the mix with the rap and metal stuff. And they just took it and went full force mm-hmm. into it. They didn't worry about doing one song. And the funny thing about all that that people tend to forget is some of the other metal bands around the time were taking noticing of this, and they were all trying to capitalize it. And Napalm Death, when they came out with Diatribes, their song, Curse the Crawl, has that sort of, like, rappy feel about it. They were trying to capitalize on this shit. Obituary has a song at the end called Belituary, which they do with a rap group. Biohazard did it with Onyx. Like, mm-hmm, we, we mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, we saw all that. So... It was having an impact, whether you like it or not, and it was affecting bands that people are so elitist about, like Obituary, and they were all doing it. And, I, and for me, I didn't really care. I liked it. I liked what they were doing. Uh, obviously, listening to Obituary rap or try to do that kind of thing isn't my main thing, but like I can appreciate they attempted it. Like I, 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 We're open to stuff mm-hmm. like that. But. I think with me too, because I I've all you you know I'm a big Wu Tang Clan fan. Yeah, and it Wu Tang Clan is just like my full circle. It's it's kung fu. It's it's original riffs that they write themselves instead of sampling shit. Mm-hmm. And so I got that, and then you know Corn 
you know, invites Limp Biscuit into the fold. And then you got Limp Biscuit going like full force into the hard rap, like with the Wu Tang clan. Mm -hmm. And I still like, I feel like Corn and Limp Biscuit, they have always kind of been like the godfathers of of the uh, new metal. They really have. And then you had around the same time Deftones. Mm -hmm. And but they've kind of like progressed into something a little bit different than what they started out. They're not really doing like a lot of stuff they did early, and, that, and it sort of started with White Pony. White Pony was fucking crazy, right? And they were doing different things, and then now they've got their own little sound that they're doing, which I really like. I actually like their latest stuff more than the early stuff. Um, but it is funny when you mention Wu Tang because when you talk to metalheads in general now. Uh, a lot of them like that old school hip hop stuff, and so like, you know, if they say, "Well, yeah, I like uh, Bathory and Napalm Death and No Moss and all them," then all of a sudden they're like, "I like Wu Tang and you know N.W.A." and I'm like, "Well, okay, but Corn is just doing a combination of both." Mm -hmm. Now you don't have to necessarily like it because of whatever if it doesn't resonate. Well, yeah, I remember uh, Method Man went on like Limp Biscuits out like they they. Right crossed together i think the one thing well i mean corn on life is pg did a cover of q's wicked mm -hmm. so i mean with chino and from depth yeah <laughs> so i mean it's just you know it's funny how people can now kind of accept this whole like rap thing that they like come back out of the closet saying i, I just go back to a story i've always liked a lot of stuff so. well i just go back to this thing like in early 90s when i moved out here i had my tapes that I was listening to and I was hanging, starting to hang out. He had, he had his boom box out in the middle of the street and some cardboard and he started break dancing and then a whole bunch of black that's, guys came around. No, that's like <laughs> early 80s. Oh. This is uh, when, you know, of course, Grunge was taken off. and But I still had stuff from the 80s like Purple Rain. Uh, How can you not have what's, Purple Rain? Uh, like a virgin from Madonna. Uh huh. So I had a friend over who was a big metalhead, and he saw my collection. He's looking through. And he's like, "Dude, you have Madonna in here." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, that's right." Madonna. She's, she's hardcore, brother. Prince, yeah, hardcore shit, dude. And see, I was never afraid to to go down that path with people. I'm like, "Look, fine. You don't like these guys? That's fine. I don't care. That's great. I I like this stuff." So. I you mean, like obituary? I like obituary, but, you know, on days that I don't feel like obituary, it's Madonna or a prince. So, the point is, is that now, all of a sudden, it's sort of like people are, like, more accepting to the hip-hop stuff than maybe they want to swear. They might have always been fans. But they didn't want to say but it. But they were keeping it on down low because they didn't want people to think they were, like, not true metal fans or some shit. And I'm like, be who you are, dude. Just be who you are. It's just kind of crazy because the guy I dated in high school and in college, he and I were, we listened to Corn. We also listened to Bone Thugs and Harmony and mm -hmm. Wu-Tang, so it's like... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not as much into hip-hop or stuff that I might was at one point, like especially when I was younger, but cause, mainly because now I just I hear so many more rock and metal bands that I just don't have time to go into that that genre but if you know we've, we've talked about it before Beyonce with Naughty Girl came out and I heard the sing I was like I like that song I don't play it a lot at all but I can appreciate it because it's a good tune she's a good singer but it's not really something I'm going to listen to 99% of the time so but I'm not going to shun anything away and say what's the one song I like love it 
so much. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> corny things that I like. I don't even get into hip-hop or rap all that deep anymore. But the- I don't either, and I'm going to sound like the old lady on her rocking chair, but we were when we were walking into the store one day and some kid had their music playing loud which we always play our music loud too but i I said is anything made without auto-tune anymore like that's what it sounded like well i see even people like rick and steven from our bronco group that like they even talk about modern rap and hip-hop and they're like just not the same man well that 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 goes back to my point with like the older hip-hop groups like the nwa like um Wu-Tang, like, even, like, the Sugar Hill Gang, a lot of the stuff that they made was not sampled. The sampling stuff kind of started taking place in the 90s, where they would, um, especially, like, in my, my 20s, like, that was sample central. Everything was, you know, sampled to the max off of older hip-hop stuff. And that's why I was kind of, like, the way that, that Wu-Tang, like, just put it all together themselves and they were like neighborhood people and were it was just phenomenal but anyway so i'm sure you figured out this week it's uh corn and uh, probably about two months ago i did a corn out uh song y'all yeah, want to sing that book that yeah book that fuck that okay i'm sorry i know that's a corny song but i love that song <laughs> well this is off of their first album and they found a way to make nursery rhymes very cool. Well, I mean, let, let's let's get back to his history. Maybe nursery rhymes were not so happy for him. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he, he kind of he just he's he, got this aggressive nursery rhyme song. That's yeah. what it is. So, without further ado, I know we had like a whole diatribe on corn and and hip hop and. Everything. Well, we have to kind of explain why some of the picks that we make and. I mean, last week I was think, Johnny I, Cash. I, I, I listened to a lot of I stuff. Just, I just think that Corn often gets a bad rap because, like, you know, they did kick off the whole thing. But, again, I go back to footage from that VHS that I had that one of their earlier concerts, before they even blew up, was them playing at uh, Milwaukee Metal Fest in Wisconsin. And this is a fest that used to happen almost every year showcasing cryptopsy napalm death heavy fucking hitters were always there and they were there and there's fucking footage people of all the fucking long hairs fucking moshing the fuck out of blind i don't care who can try to deny it they were fucking have evidence yeah so all of a sudden you know these guys get famous and everyone's like you know they're oh, wearing too cool for jumpsuits and all this they're stuff wearing, they're wearing their warm-ups they're wearing the adidas warm-ups and that was another thing they're like yeah they're dressing like they're hip-hop but they're supposed to be metal what what the fuck uh jonathan davis wears like wife beaters and and adidas pants yeah. like yeah. i had to find that that thing because like when i saw that and realized where they were i was like holy fuck dude i never even realized they even played that festival but they fucking killed it, and that crowd was losing their fucking shit. They probably had no fucking idea who they were, but they were losing their shit to fucking them, that band. Like, that's all I'm going to say on that. So here we are, that this goes week. pick of the week. Shoots and ladders. And here we roll. Attention, please. 
Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Hey everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer. Hey Beak and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. About the uh, the bird from Hate Beak, we asked Blake before when he was over here, but like. <laughs> the bird's an asshole. The bird's an asshole. I, I read it in many, many like interviews that he's done with Hate Beak, but everybody like loves Hate Beak because it's it's like it's original. It's so fun. fucking cute. Actually, it's a play off of Iron Maiden, of course, mm-hmm. and other songs like around that time period. So, but he was like, "Yeah, that bird's an asshole. It does not cooperate at <laughs> all." Yeah, I have to wonder like how long it took him to actually get the. The, the noises that he wanted for the songs because he's, he's literally taking everything that Bird is doing and putting it into the song to make it sound like the Bird's actually singing And the he song. has to mix it and everything too. So it's squawking too. and doing all this other shit. So, and I think and the Bird, it was a, what, did he, what was it, a McCall, I think? It was, or an African Grey? I can't remember. It was, but it was one of those very like intelligent birds that are able to pick up words and stuff too yeah it's just... so it's like okay okay buddy it's time to say bring the noise it's <laughs> say, bring the noise yeah bring the noise <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> come on now you can say it i've heard you say it before fuck you number of the beak <laughs> oh my god the number of the beak <sighs> So. It's very cute, very... Well, I, I hate calling metal cute, but it's it's super cute. He's awesome. Yeah, we love Blake. I like Blake a lot. It's, what we really love about Blake is... Don't get us wrong, we love everyone that we ever interview, and we love all, all the of our friends. people that we talk yeah. to. Like, there's people that we know locally in bands that we haven't got a chance to interview. We love them a lot, too. But did you ever tell the story of like how we actually met Blake and oh, Lindsay? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we were... Who were we going to see at the Fillmore? I believe it was King Diamond. And we were eating in the same restaurant, and we were like, oh, yeah, we're having some tapas, we're having some wine. And um, I don't even know how it came up, but Blake was saying, we were talking about the band Pig Destroyer. No, he... um. We we mentioned Pig Destroyer for some reason. And Not, the way it went, so you have a bad oh memory. Oh, God, fine, whatever. You <laughs> have the bad memory. Go go ahead, tell me. All right, so I I think what happened is Blake looked at us because we were literally right next to him, and he's like, him and Lindsay, and we are like, so you guys here to see King Diamond? And we're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yeah. We've, We've been waiting for years, you know, King Diamond canceled So we kind of shooting the shit, and he goes, yeah, I'm in a band called Pig Destroyer. I'm like, hold up, I know who that is. And, but, like, I hadn't known much about the members or much of the music. I knew who they were, obviously. And so we just got around to shooting the shit, and I'm like, well, that's really cool shit. And it was really interesting to talk to Blake, because Pig Destroyer, like, they hold their own. They're known and, like, very well-respected. But then the, all of the members are like, yeah, we got nine to five. So, like, if they do a tour, it's like they have to plan it as a vacation, <laughs> So the, they're, they're yeah, because they sometimes actually go over to overseas in Europe and do stuff like walking or whatever. So, but the cool thing was, and, and Neko didn't really get to experience this so much. She did when he was here with Travis doing the interview. But when I went to go see Nomas, and I think it was Snipers of Babel playing Henry's house, 
and Blake was there, and dude, he and I were just shooting this shit for oh, like I 20 was, minutes. I was out, yeah. I was out to see. So, you know, he's very humble and takes the time to talk with people, and like, you know, we've kind of grown as, you know, friends with theirs, and we sent him out a care package because he wasn't feeling under the weather. But both of them are very cool. I've talked to Lindsay even like like shows when she's like helping out doing uh the shirts and the booths. Well, and she stuff. um she is her own she owns her own business yeah. and she does a lot of stuff also for the um 70,000 tons of metal mm-hmm. and um I think it's called Misheard Media is her her company and the whole thing with her is she is all into getting young girls to be, you know, more empowered, et cetera. And she's, she does public speaking. Ex- I wonder if she still does that podcast with the books. Oh, yeah. The romance, the romance novels. She is just, like, all about... She wants to put things out there. That's why she, she always gets herself involved in little tidbits of things. And I think that's phenomenal. Like me, I'm slave to the corporate grind. And, and she's like, I'm going to do my own thing. And it's going to be on my terms. And this is my life. And that's really, it's pretty fucking brave, because I am a big pussy, and I'm like, I need a paycheck, so... <laughs> right? But those but, uh, two are fucking amazing. Yeah, they're really fun people to talk to. I'm still trying to find a way to get them over here for horror trivia night. Blake says that she won't really do it, because she's not really into horror movies, but I think she would have fun either way. Yeah, I, I don't know all the answers Because you two would gab all night, like actual parrots and we would just talk and have we'd fun. We'd be like, oh my god, we're having some wine. But I know that Blake likes horror films like I do and he's invited me to different groups that I'm in now because of that. So I think once um, COVID goes away, well, you know it's never going to go away, away, but once COVID is kind of like everybody's got their vaccine and stuff and I know, he, you know, he's been dealing with his health problems and I've been dealing, we've been dealing with my mom's health problems that we we tried to do a couple of times like I wanted to have people over for the horror trivia and I'm like I have to cancel because you know I don't know what's going it's on tough, with my mom. Cause it does make it tough and we even have people that live literally down the street from us that we'd like to have over but it's all about timing it's all about what's going on so that's one of the things like when it comes to our weekly thing we have we to try plan. to make this a priority we for plan. us to be together because there are times during the week like we don't even see each other well i just we got this and then like we have projects we're trying to get done in the house we have your mom to deal with so it, it's you know we have to find downtime and that's the thing like so we'll eventually do that and get especially as it gets warmer it's get nicer people would be willing to venture out a little bit the vaccine you talked mm-hmm. about people start getting that but like this is mine and your your chill time. This we, is my baby here. This is like the thing this, that even if we have two fans and we know we have two because we get requests. Well, we, we have more than that. I know, I'm, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I we make time. So I I've been I started a new job, and I'm busy, and I I work a lot and I work at night sometimes just to stay caught up on my things. But I make my presence in the office on Mondays and Thursdays and Mondays uh, is the whole group and Thursdays it's just me and I usually just deal with vendors and site visits blah 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 I said to Anubis I'm like I'm not going to be working from home so I'm not going to be chained to my office upstairs 
I, you go down the rabbit hole when you work from home. I'll just do one more thing, one more thing. I said, I'm leaving work and we're gonna do it Thursday because I'm not turning on my, when I get home, I'm not turning my laptop back on. I'll, you know, I, I'm working from home tomorrow. I'll turn it on bright and early. We make this our chill time because it's a time for us to talk together and enjoy things that we like and talk about movies, music, bands, friends. And it's so that we can have a couple of hours to be with each other and kind of like shut out all the bullshit that is going on. And we just want, you know, so we do thank you for listening because a lot of times it's just the two of us. Definitely. Like, <laughs> I, I know that it can be hard as a fan with everything that we have available in terms of music, uh, streaming sites, and whatnot to actually say make the time for podcasts so we try to make it as entertaining as possible and we try to bring again new music that you may not have heard of so i find that with the people that follow us that that's sort of what they're looking for they're looking for one guys like uh ian who are you know solo artists right and they're trying to get the word out about their project so it's important for them to find shows like us who are willing to play them because believe it or not there's other shows that are more popular and are doing a lot of things, but they don't necessarily pay attention to guys like Ian because it doesn't either fit their format or they just don't want to put their time in to actually promote them. So for us, we're lucky enough, and the way that I've designed the show now based on everything that we love musically, that we can cross certain boundaries with rock and metal and this this helps a lot with a lot of these bands and solo artists to get their music out there because normally it just wouldn't happen so i'm glad that a lot of the promotional sites that i work with all of them inverse they send us so many things. right you know and they send me various things sometimes i have to turn away something just because it it really isn't for us but it's a rarity when that happens. Yeah, so. sometimes it's a little... Because he's turned down some of my, like, picks of the week. He's like, it's a little too poppy and mainstream. Even though it's... I'm not saying it's not a good song. It's a little too, uh... Yeah, there's things that I enjoy that are not fit for the show. And and that's... and So whenever... She's the same way. She likes certain music, same stuff that I do. But some of the stuff that she chooses from, a, say, said band... Oftentimes is the music that's the most not what we have on the show so i have to say to her well okay you really like this artist let's try to find something that's a little bit more easy and fits the format like toto he wouldn't play rosanna <laughs> but i and it's not that toto's not a rock band but they do have areas in their music where like i have never listened to a full toe album to turn say they probably have stuff that's even probably more hard rock than what they actually get on the radio. Well, Toe the Line is, is pretty... I mean, I love Africa, but it, let's face it, it's it's really a fucking, like, pop rock song, right? but it doesn't really fit what we're doing here. Now, again, we have other music sometimes that comes across and they're saying to themselves, well, you know, you're playing this song, but this song sounds all like this song. Well, it just depends on me. I'm the one that has to curate yeah, all this. I have to put it all together. He gives me the axe all the time. <laughs> I'm surprised he let me do Johnny Cash, and I think it was because um, first it was a Nine Inch Nails cover, but second because the arrangement was not like his 
country western style. It was more of a folk song that really like got a little gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like da 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 da, and I. I was surprised, but you you even agree. Like when you hear that song, it's it's very powerful. Yeah, it, it you know it's Johnny Cash, but then you say to yourself, "Well, this isn't the Cash that I normally would hear." So yeah, it's not the Man in Black. It's it's not Ring of Fire. It's and but we've had people do a cover of Ring of Fire that made it their own. Uh, Adam Lambert. We love our Adam Lambert. And like that is an amazing thing. So anyway, I don't want to get too okay, much off Okay, topic. We, we've been we off topic all, all day. I'm sorry. It's But it's like I said, this is our time to hang out and we tune, we don't answer our phone. We don't answer the door. We just sit, have a few drinks, have a few snacks and talk. And it's like the two of us are together and actually making time for music and entertainment and we do this so that we can get and together speaking of which entertainment and music tell me about it in this segment um we're going to get to our wandavision series conclusion review in a minute mm-hmm. but there's a piece of news which tell me about it won't spend too much time on but Warner Brothers is thinking about doing a Harry Potter spinoff. Now, they've already kind of started doing that with the the Beast movies that they've done. But now they're going to think about doing um, another one, another spinoff, which they wanted to kind of highlight Hermione Granger, which, of course, was played by Emma Watson in the original Harry Potter series. So the problem that they're running into right now is that Emma, and I've been kind of keeping tabs on what she's doing work-wise, is... She's basically kind of just stepped away from movies right now. Like, she has really no interest in it. She hasn't been doing anything. Her agent says that she's just taking a break from it all. Uh, she's obviously concentrating on her personal relationship with her guy. And, you know, she's 30 now, so she's probably thinking about family stuff at this point. But the other thing about Emma that I've learned over the years is that despite the fact that she enjoys acting and enjoyed the Harry Potter stuff and whatnot, she does not really care for the fame part of it. Like she, It's very invasive, and she's one of those people that has been very critical about it because she doesn't like that she's always in the news. And this, but it, she, she understands that it's part of the, the, the shit that comes with it. But... At the same time, like, I think she's kind of happier when she's not having to worry about being in the limelight. So, Warner Brothers, though, doing want to do this spinoff, have been trying to get her to come back to reprise the role. Now, the thing is, ultimately, she may come back and do it if the money's right, I assume. But, at the same time, I think one of the things that Emma was kind of, like, hell-bent on was to not just be known as Hermione Granger. She wanted to be known as an actress. She wanted to be known as herself. Right, as someone who could do different things. Mm -hmm. And now, unlike Daniel Radcliffe or Rupert Grant, who went and did many different things, these guys have kept themselves busy with whatever role they wanted, and they didn't care. They weren't as specific or... uh, What's the term I'm looking for? Where... Emma was very selective with what she wanted. Exactly. And she had enough money where she could do that. That's a luxury she had. Some actresses don't have that. But, you know, like... she's probably still getting royalties from Harry Potter easily. Oh, easily. But, like, you know, she's someone who enjoys certain things. She always has said that 
she will only take a role if it means something to her. So when you have Beauty and the Beast or Little Women, it, you understand that's the kind of thing that she wants. She occasionally branched out with stuff like This is the End, which was great. And hysterical. Yeah, and I, actually it's one of my favorite things from her, but I know that that's not really her brand of movie making and stuff. But, but she, I like that she she was she was okay to kind of laugh at herself, you know? Right. Especially where she's like, who's, who's talking about rape? What are you talking about? Right. She has the, 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 what was it, the axe? Yeah. She's like, what are you talking about? Give me all your food and your water. <laughs> Rogan's character's like, you can't do this to us. Do it now. And then she cuts the tip off of that penis porcelain statue that was in there. I bet they're like, did Hermione Granger just just steal all of our food? Hermione, yeah, I was fucking the dude. I can't I forget his name, but he's like on video going, yeah, Hermione just stole all our shit. <laughs> Now, granted, all that shit was Danny, given away. Danny, Danny. Danny, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, the thing is, like, she's very selective, so therefore her work that she does isn't a lot. But whether or not she's going to want to undertake another shot at Harry Potter and bring all that fame back on her, I just I can't see it personally. But uh, Maybe sh if they're making it a limited series... You know what I mean? Like, well, it may... I don't know exactly. It's definitely going to be movies, I think. I don't think it's even a series, but... If it's like Fantastic Beast stuff, then they may do like a trilogy. It's usually how it's done, but... The question is, does she want to deal with all the shit again? Because, she, she, I mean, everyone loves her as Hermione. Everyone does. And, like, she's very good at it. She knows the role. She's very. She was very dedicated to that role even before she got it. But... I just know from reading about her personal life that she just doesn't really like the fame all that much. Like, she understands it and takes it with the grain of salt. She does her interviews and all that stuff that comes with it. But I think when I watch how she's been the last five years and not having to worry about the, the constant pressure of being on promo tours and all this other stuff that like, and she i mean you have to think how much she worked as a child yeah for years to finish those movies and and they all agreed and they all signed on and it you know she that's not counting she, she burned out quickly yeah, yeah that's not it's not encounter her activist stuff activism so whether or not she's still trying to concentrate on all that, I don't know. I haven't really followed and, up and much And that's on the that. thing, is she's keeping it a low profile. She's keeping a very low profile right now. I mean, she's not even speaking too much on her activism. Her, yeah. her he for she or, yeah. or anything. And, and, and again, the rumors all with that is that she's taking a lot of heat. Um, I keep seeing people on like this blog that I follow about her that always post up news stuff that, you know... When J.K. Rowling came out and had some not-so-kind things to say about transgenders, you know, Emma not really calling J.K. out, but it said that she believes that transgenders are people, and Daniel spoke out against Rowling with that, too, disagreeing with the comments. It, it wasn't anything nasty between the actors and the, the author, but... Um, the fans, that's where it comes. And so fans were like, you know, who are fans of JK are like trashing Emma. And I think, I don't know how much Emma spends on social media. I know she doesn't really like it per se, but, you know, she can't always escape it. And uh, maybe that's just kind of like she's kind of tired of that shit too. So 
She just seems generally more happy when she's not having the pressure of worrying about being in the spotlight all the time. Like, even when Little Women came out, she was not at very many of the promos. Like, she allowed the other girls to handle that and the director. She was quite fine with that. <laughs> people people who are big fans of Emma are, like, kind of pissed off. They're like, dude, we want to see you know, what she says. But she just, she had a role that she played, and she just let it go. She just would rather go do her work and then go home. And it's not always easy because as a famed star, you're expected to, to meet certain obligations as an actress when talking to interviews and stuff And I like also that. think, too, because she she is kind of in her own, uh, what's the word? She didn't want to take the focus off of the other girls and put it on her. And that's why she kind of stepped back. She's very well known everywhere so they're like so in her mind she's she was thinking if i go out and do these promos i'm not even the quote-unquote star of the movie i'm gonna take the focus off of the movie and it's gonna be about emma because she does kind of like get her own little paparazzi thing and yeah so i mean you know she's was seemed to be quite fine with what's going on with that, and then now she's just kicking back and chilling out. So she may do another film down the road, but the reality is Warner Brothers wants her back for Hermione, and I just, as much as she loves that role, I just, I think she's trying harder to escape the, what do you call it, the, the trap of being cast because everyone, even though she's done different roles, people may always look at her as just Hermione Granger. And I mean, she doesn't want Like that. she's being narrow cast, yeah. I mean, I know it happens to a lot of of actors, like um, Captain America. Mm-hmm. He was... Chris Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. He was done. And then he's like, no, I'm not done. Like, I think he's going to somehow come back in somehow because there's all these, like... You know, they, they're like, oh, alternate universe, here's a new Captain America. But sometimes when you've played a role for a really long time, you're kind of like, I want to see what else is out there. And then maybe it's not always... Well, you know, and that's it's a good point because, you know, Chris Evans, when he decided to step away from Captain America, you know, he went and did uh, Knives Out, which was a good movie. It was a comedy, black comedy. But he really wasn't, like, the star of that. There was, like, Jamie Lee Curtis and a bunch of other big names. I, don't think I still don't think I've seen that yet. It's on Amazon Prime. You should check it out. Okay. It's really good. But uh, what Neko's kind of point is, sometimes actors and actresses, when they've had these big roles, they, they try to go do other things because they don't want to be typecast. So what ends up happening is when they don't have as much success outside of that, they sometimes will fall back and come back to where they were because the money's just so good. And or they miss it, you know, it's just kind of... But, I mean, I, I appreciated guys like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, you know, guys that understood that they were action heroes. That's what they were. And they weren't afraid to embrace it. They did do other things, obviously, kindergarten cop, but it all sort Jingle of plays... all the way. Right. And that, that's fun, but in the end, they are action stars. And so... Even though Emma's not really necessarily an action star or anything like that, the reality is... She will always be Hermione. Right. She, The Harry Potter movies are kind of like a, I don't know, a caveat to everything because 
it's just its own universe. Like it really is. Like well, we've really never seen anything like it. I went Star Wars. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying. But that's what I mean. Like it that's has what happens right. with the the Star Wars Star Trek actors. I mean, like Patrick Stewart, very very you know renowned actor, does very very serious things too. He's perfectly fine being John Luke Picard forever, I'm pretty sure. And doing, like, silly commercials and, you know, hanging out with his BFF Ian. Like, sometimes that's just what happens when you get kind of... And I don't think they realized how, how big Harry Potter was going to be because the movies were happening kind of in tandem with the books being released. Because the books and all didn't get released and then the movies happened. It was, like, book... And then after they, you know, kind of, it was like the first two books and then it was they put the movie out and then it blew up. And then the movie or book, 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 movie, movie, movie. It, it was it was interesting because it's it, it there's Harry Potter world in Universal Studios. Like yeah. it's like you said, it's its own little thing. Yeah. So it'll just be interesting how that plays out because I'm from a personal stance as someone who follows her a little bit. I mean, I'm not as big into her as I once was, but maybe part of that's because she's just not doing very much work. But either way... I thought you got mad at her. What did she do that made you mad? I didn't do anything mad. This, some of her shit with activism is off the hook, but... Oh. Other than that, I don't really care, but... In the end, I just... I don't see her at this stage wanting to kind of go back to that, even though they might throw a lot of money at her. I just think that she's going to say... I don't think it's the money that's going to take her. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I just, She doesn't really seem like she wants to keep staying in the limelight too much. And she's made a lot of money doing what she's been doing, so she's set for life, basically. But anyway, let's get to WandaVision, because we had not had yet a chance to we talk about like, this. We haven't, like, there's so much going on with WandaVision. I mean... Well, the last episode, <clears throat> or a couple episodes, really kind of changed the dynamics of where the show was going from where it started off and uh we realized that of course uh agatha or agnes turned out to be a witch and she was basically trapped within this little uh town was it westwood or something like that mm -hmm. and uh it's the little town that wanted like encompassed in a shield and basically get to shut the rest of the world out because she was trying to deal with the death of vision the death of vision the pain of everything that was going on and that's it. and i think part of it as we started seeing it unfold i don't think she realized intentionally what she did no, and it, it seems to be a, a thing that i've read like leading up to our podcast here how people were kind of mad like they were arguing with each other about whether or not this was good a good ending to the season or whether or not Wanda was a good person like some people were coming away from this saying that Wanda was very evil and even though we know Scarlet Witch has like different personalities from her comic book lore mm -hmm. The rea from what I got from the, the ending of this whole series was that you had a woman who was dealing with pain and didn't realize her power, the potential of the power she had, which 
was really negatively affecting the people within it that she didn't even wasn't aware of until they she came was out. she was able to create from her power and that's when uh, Agatha was kind of like you are the scarlet witch like there's just it's like lore it's legend yeah Agatha was basically looking for the power she possessed but at the same time when Wanda was trying to convince her that Wanda was a good person and an avenger and all this Agatha's like no have you seen what's happening to these people that you're keeping here? And so when the power is finally released and they're able to get their minds back and confront Wanda a little bit, it's almost like a lynch mob almost happening there. They're like, my my daughter, she's locked up in her room. She hasn't left her room. Yeah, they're like, when we go to bed, all we do, we have your nightmares to share. And, like, she was very unaware of this. But some people who didn't like the ending of these first season you know they were like well wanda was intentionally doing this i'm like i I didn't get that at all from this i didn't either i think it was just her um her projection of her pain right and she didn't realize that that's what she did i think when she which is why i think when we saw after she realized what was happening she's like yeah i can't do this anymore i gotta let them go and she she said goodbye to her children and she said that was a sacrifice oh my god she was like thank you for choosing to be my children and she had to say goodbye again yeah to the love of her life and when you see her kind of I i forgot which episode it was when you first realized that she she and vision had bought a property and they were going to build a home on it and it was in that little town i believe that happened right before uh, right before infinity war like because there's a moment in infinity war when they're together in a hotel somewhere and then that's when some of thanos's thugs come to try to get them and then ca shows up to help them out uh, but I think it was around that time that they were planning on mm-hmm. going and making No, 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 I mean, like, after he died and everything. I'm talking about in the show where you see her oh, go yeah, yeah. to the little property. The plot, yeah. And she's just so distraught and disheartened and, and just feeling the grief, like, deep down in her bones because she doesn't... You know, she she's lost everything, her parents, her brother, and now Vision, and she gets to this place where they purchase their property, and she looks at this note, and I think she doesn't know the extent of her power, and when she got there, it was like the emotions just kind of poured out of her and turned, because we learn in the... Sh- in the movie or excuse me in the in the series that she was really into sitcoms yeah. and and, that, and that's very very true yeah, her and her brother grew up on that stuff before their parents her, her parents would smuggle in sitcoms for them to american sitcoms for them to watch and it's we actually watch documentaries on that uh you know the eastern block dealing with you know contraband that was american movies that there was a woman who did all the the voiceovers so that people could watch and they'd all like huddle and Mm -hmm. and hang out so they kind of did that as a family and all of her pain came like rushing out at once and i don't think she realized that her pain was overtaking like miles and miles around her and it just yeah because i think as i started to watch this series i learned that she was in the house with 
with Vision and the kids. and But it was only me, people in the immediate area that she was able to control for the show. So, like her neighbor, Agatha, you know, like, even though Agatha wasn't under the control, but we were under the assumption. But her immediate neighbors were all, if they were in the scene that she was in, camera-wise, she had them under mind control. The other ones were under mind control, but they were a little bit more loose. So... As Neko and I noticed, uh, as Vision was kind of branching out further in the city, in the town, people that were under the spell there were kind of glitching, like they were getting lost in loops. And that's because she wasn't really concentrating on controlling them at that point. She and was she wasn't even really concentrating on controlling them. It was just whatever she she had they were done. Like pawns. At the, yeah, yeah, like whatever she had done at the beginning. She didn't. I don't even think she realized what she had done at the beginning right. to start this whole thing off. And she was feeding off of her feel good emotions of a child and watching the sitcoms that she loved so much. And it was it was just. When you watch the entire series, and like I'm probably gonna watch it again, just from it, they're very very short episodes, because now I know what was going on. I want to kind of go back and refresh, re not just refresh, but there's always little things in there that kind of clue you into what's happening, and I honestly would love to just watch it and be like, okay, I know what the ending is now, and when we were first watching it, we were just so, like, entertained at yeah. first. We were just like, oh, this yeah. is cute and entertaining. But then but we didn't, a darker side Yeah, we it. didn't realize, like, the, the heaviness that this is going to be. And um, so that's why I'm really thinking about rewatching it to see, like, is there a clue that I missed mm -hmm. or, you know. Yeah, the thing is, like... Again, with the people that argue about it, like, whether or not Wanda was in the right or wrong. Like, we know that Wanda probably shouldn't have done that. But if we're going to understand, like, grief, then you have to kind of understand where she was coming from with someone who had the kind of power she did. And it's so much so that it wasn't helped when she couldn't really even bury Vision. Like, there wasn't any kind of real funeral for him. So when she went to go see his body and everything else. And know, all they're doing is just taking their turn and, and yeah. decommissioning him like he's a weapon. Right. And so that's even more worse, like, for someone you cared about. Because she had already lived through the death of him the first time with Thanos. So now she doesn't even have a chance to grieve. Oh, or... yeah. She had to watch him die twice with, with her, you know, with the... In the what movie was it? Infinity War, the movie where Endgame. Probably. Endgame. She takes the the Mind Stone and then they rewind it, and then here comes Thanos and he kills him again. Yeah. So, so like yeah. she's she's had to see him die over and over and over. So now you've got this woman who has this amazing power, and she's really real really understanding her power now, and she is still deeply grieving. Yeah, and so who knows what's going to happen. She ended up stealing the body because she needs, you know, she doesn't I, want what's going on. I don't think she stole the body. I think, I don't think she stole his body. She created him from nothing. I'm pretty sure she... Well, then I might have to go back because I was under the assumption that's the reason why... No, she went there. The or 
what's it called sword they were chasing her i think they were that. chasing her because there was this big red halo over top yeah, but of she broke out of that facility for something I, I she had to be stealing it no she left and left the body there and um remember she was like kind of putting her hand over him and she said i can't feel him anymore you know yeah. and then she left well she, either way they, they were took and made a new vision right. out of his old body. Yeah. And then there was vision versus vision at the, the white end. Vision, yeah. yeah, that's right. So they were created. They wanted vision for his. Because he was a specific design by Stark and everything. And, and of course, when you, if you've ever seen Age of Ultron, that's where vision is created. But the government for Sword, that's clearly what they want. They wanted another weapon. Because this is the thing that's always been like a, a thorn on my side with going back to Civil War and how that unraveled, like, in the meeting with the... I forget who the uh, general was in there. It was telling about the uh, Sokovia Accords and everything. Again, putting more pressure on Wanda because of what happened after and before. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that she lost her brother in Sokovia. To me, you can just see this is a girl who was dealing with a lot of negative stuff happening to her around her and then of course now you have a government taking the corpse of your your person you cared about and just dismantling him and trying to make him into something else but this is all kind of start from civil war basically where the government wants the power that these Avengers possess. Like it doesn't they don't care how they got it. We saw it in uh the first Avengers movie when uh, who's Jackson's character? Um you know, they were like secretly using the Tesseract to create weapons and that pissed off Captain America. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's the thing, like that's the kind of shadiness that we were seeing is that you know I mean, obviously, Jackson's character was trying to form the Avengers to, to take away from that, but then he sits there and says, well, we needed an alternate plan in case you guys didn't pan out. And I'm like, well, this is the problem. You guys are shady, you're sneaky, and you're doing all this shit. And with Wanda and Vision, you know, they're sitting there tearing them apart because they want all the knowledge they can get from his body. And, and they ended up doing it. They ended up recreating him in some ways, but he wasn't the same guy. But it, there was a moment between both visions where the the so-called original one that was created by Wanda in the S.H.I.E.L.D. explained to White Vision, like, you don't have to do what they say. You have the knowledge and information to make your own choices. And I think eventually he did that. I don't think he even went back to the the sword. I think he kind of just did his own thing. He understood that he was kind of a pawn. Like he, he made one vision, made the other one realize you're. Yeah, he's being he's used. not he's not a robot that's being controlled. He is his own person. Yeah, he just they just uploaded information and said kill this guy and this mm-hmm. girl, and that's what it was about. Until he said, and that's a th- the problem for the government, of course, is they never realize that something like Vision is always adjusting to his environment. So. Much like the original Vision, like he can take knowledge from just about anything. He has that kind of power. Mm-hmm. So White Vision was the same way. He says, I think Vision said to him, he's like, you can literally tap into their feeds and take the information you need to know what I'm talking about. And that's what he did. Mm-hmm. So 
So it's funny about the government. They've always been trying to kind of dick over the Avengers while actually using them at the same time to get their, you know, keep them safe and everything else. And we'll have to get into this discussion another day about that. But it's very interesting. I, I love Marvel. I love. I don't. I've never read the comics, but I love what they've done with the movies. This show's nice. Some people love and hate it. I know that Nick and I like it a lot. I don't know where it's going to go from here, but it should be interesting. We're learning a lot about, um, you know, I like I like that Disney Plus is doing this. Like, they're giving you a backstory on, like, mm-hmm. the side of the actual action, too. Um, you know, they're going to be coming out with the Winter Soldier and Falcon show. And Loki, the Loki that. show, um, which I think, and then we also have like more movies. We have Black Panther two, Doctor Strange two, which I believe Doctor Strange two, from what I understand, that's going to tie into Wanda a little bit, which makes sense. Which makes but, sense because it's the Mind Stone, right? And then we have Loki, who we've seen from the trailers, may end up coming across Black Widow, so because he's in another part of his little universe, A A V N or something. I can't remember. And what. yeah, I was going to say, and remember. They've already started messing with different timelines. timelines, and there's shit that happened, and we went back and forward and back and forward, and we got this, and we... Which is probably why we're going to end up seeing Captain America again mm-hmm. with Chris Evans, because there's that other timeline. So it's, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, they've been doing it pretty good. The stories have been good. Obviously, uh, there hasn't been too many hiccups with Marvel, which I'm really happy about, so we'll see how the other two series go and then the movies, but question for you and I I know you and I are not all of the DC stuff that's come out recently after the Dark Knight series we've just kind of been like sad about are we going to watch the Zack Snyder (laughs) Justice League cut I know it's going to be a 12 hour movie because that's what (laughs) Zack Snyder likes I mean I I, we love the Watchmen and then I decided I was going to watch the Watchmen uh director's cut or whatever they're calling it and that was like an extra hour um because apparently Zack Snyder was supposed to be doing the Justice League right and he couldn't finish it because his um his his son died and somebody else took it on and took on the like DC yeah so I'm wondering like how much Zack Snyder got to do and how much was like finished by um you know I don't know we'll have to we will probably we'll probably end up reviewing that we'll probably will end up seeing it because it's coming to HBO Max so mm-hmm. it's not like we have to pay for it at that point we're paying for the service but not for that particular mm-hmm. movie I mean we love Zack Snyder. I, I'm trying I like to... Zack Snyder in terms of some of his earlier work. I think... You like 300? 300. I like Watchmen. But the thing is, like, some of the other stuff he's done, I haven't been as crazy about it as other people. But it's not that he's not a talented director. But the thing is, like, how much can he really improve upon the one that we watched before? Did you ever see the first Justice League? I've, I've hardly watched anything DC has done. Uh, we watched... Um... See, part of, part of the problem that I have with DC is that... I know maybe it sounds petty, but like I like it when stuff like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Marvel they they use the same actors as much as possible, mm-hmm. and that and that kind of means stuff because it helps as the story is progressing through different movies and series. You're sitting there saying, "Oh, okay, 
Yeah, I saw this person. Oh, that's Captain Marvel? Yeah, we saw that movie. Yeah, okay. All right, so he, he started with Man of Steel and Batman versus... I, I saw Batman versus Superman. Right. And he did... All right, so in the Suicide Squad, it says that he it, directed the Flash cameo scene. Hmm. Um, Wonder Woman, he was not the director, he was the producer, and he, the story was co-written with two other writers. The Justice League, he wrote the story with another writer, and he started... And he uh, he was supposed to be handling, like, all of this stuff. Like, he was supposed to be handling, like, Aquaman, mm -hmm. everything. So. Well, so far, out of all the DC post-Nolan uh, series, um, the first Wonder Woman's pretty good, except for the very end. I just, I didn't really like the ending. I don't even think I saw that one. Aquaman is really good. That's on HBO Max. You probably look that at that. that I, I, I wouldn't mind watching, you know, Jason Momoa. Of course not. But, uh, yeah, those two are pretty good. Um, Batman vs. Superman I thought was pretty crap until Wonder Woman showed up. <laughs> Go figure. Now, Wonder Woman 2 wasn't as good. I didn't like that much at all. Uh, Zach, I think... He was the producer on Wonder Woman 84, not the director. Right. He was the executive producer on Aquaman. Now, the thing is, James Gunn, who's done, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff from Marvel, is doing the next Suicide Squad movie. So, I'm actually expecting that to be better overall in terms of execution. Obviously, we love Harley Quinn by uh, Margot Robbie. But that first movie... Uh, they just really missed a mark, and we've talked about that before. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll sit down and try check out Justice League. I, I remember seeing it, but it was very forgettable, and yeah, it, it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, I don't have high hopes for it, but we'll do we'll see it. We'll review it. We'll make it work. Yeah, make it work, Tim Gunn. All right, well, we gotta get moving. I'm sorry. That's not my fault. I know it's nine o'clock. No, we're just talking and doing it. But we got some more music, new I'm stuff. Shooting the shit with my man. Love got you. some corpse and selling guests, and we're gonna kick it off with some void womb, altars of cosmic devotion. Get at it.
This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. TJ Nobis. And TJ Neko. Back with you with our retro DVD movie vault pick. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. We're done. I said the words. Yep. Gonna go now. (laughs) (laughs) I really like this idea. He came up with it. Uh, It's been a few weeks now, but as we were talking to uh, Ian earlier, we are physical media type people. Don't get us wrong. We have shit that's digital. Like, we have lots of digital. A lot of digital. But we always enjoy purchasing dvds and purchasing cds and stuff and in fact at one point i would come down into uh dj anubis's little lair and he had even more cds than he has now he had like two bookcases yeah i have to actually go back through because i ended up keeping some that i thought was initially going to trade away but uh like right now, I got to really reorganize down here because I mean, it's just he's, so much he's shit. He's got like at one point it was thousands of CDs, right? Yeah, I had way more, and he sold them or traded them in so he could buy new things. Um, but I would just come down here and pick up a CD and listen to it. Like just I'd randomly pick one, and hopefully it would be something I've never heard. So when he said we've got all these DVDs that we buy because we say we want to watch them, but then we just go on Netflix and pick the same shit or you watch Gilmore Girls a hundred... Well, Simon, that, like, you know, it's it's kind of like anything else. We're sponges, and especially me with, like, movies and music. Like, I'll go into any kind of, like, app, Shutter, Tubi, Netflix, whatever, and I'll say to myself, okay... What do you got for me? So then I'll start looking through. And I'm it like, takes oh, an hour to look close through. Close to the third cut. Well, yeah, I like it, but I've seen it. So I'm always looking for shit that I haven't seen. And that's sort of the, the conundrum that we face because mm-hmm. her and I, we're always like looking for something that we haven't seen before that we might like. Like right now, we're checking out Warrior, which was you know recommended, and that's fine. It's great. But we have DVDs because mm-hmm. all of our favorite shit that we've been getting over the years, and I'm like... We love these movies, so why not we just go back once a week, check one out that we really like, and review it? And that's fun. Like it, I, when I initially came up with the concept, part of it was a while back. I actually uh, a couple times. And this is way back. I would give Neko like a record to go and listen to, and then she would give me her review of it. And I think she did Nocturnus one time mm-hmm. and Metal Church. So, and a really good reviews, and I, you know, and I had a similar thing I was thinking of, but because she's so busy right now with so much other stuff, it's harder for her to go and, like, listen to music uh, objectively because she has all that stuff going on, except, except for when you're in your car. The car's the best place for me because I run so many errands. But like, I, figure... I may not do, like... I may not do, like, long distance and listening. It's more like, okay, I'm and going parts. over my mom's, and I listen to, like, 
10 minutes and then I go to work and I listen to 20 minutes and but I figure if we do like a movie we can sit down for two hours and then just decompress and watch something and then we we're already kind of familiar with the material because it is something our, we've our, seen right so when we come to reviews we don't have to do a lot of writing and reviews as far as that's concerned we can like go look up stuff and then say okay this is what we liked about it and this is kind of how we've been doing it and so it's been nice to you know me picking one week her picking another and this week i chose equilibrium uh with stars his boyfriend yeah i mean it's a running joke with me and we've talked about it before where <laughs> christian bale like i don't know what it is it isn't so much that I think Christian Bale is like the greatest actor on the planet, but he's in so many he's movies that I so love. He's so dreamy. He's in so many fucking movies that I love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so... And so, Equilibrium being one of those, and this is a movie back in 2002 and three that I either rented through Netflix or something. Before Netflix was streaming, people. Right. And so... We watched it, and I fell in love with it for various reasons which I'll get into, but that's the thing. It's like, at the time, no one was talking about it. I'm like, dude, you have to see this fucking movie. <laughs> I tell everybody, you gotta see this fucking movie. And so, you know, I bought it, and we've had it, and I haven't really watched it until last night when we, re, you know, went down the road with it. And uh, it, it's a fucking fantastic movie, which loosely is based on the novel Fahrenheit 451. And even though the filmmakers have said that they didn't really borrow anything from that or 1984, the reality is they kind of did in concept anyway. It may not be like plagiarizing any kind of scenes or anything like that, but the whole idea, like early on in the film when they're discovering the Mona Lisa hidden, uh, they, you know... Preston, the main character by Bale, is saying burn it now. Basically, the whole idea of doing this is that uh, 21st century, we've had a third world war, and in order to deal with that, we as a society have given ourselves a drug called Librium, which takes away emotion. So even if you have families like a wife and kids, like you are treating them just like business partners almost mm-hmm. like like there's really no love connection and there. some people who live in the you know inner limits not in the nether regions they've lived there for like this is after the war and and father you know he's been around for so long some of these people have never lived their life without taking the drug and I, i'm seeing that like with with christian bales um character like he has never lived without you know it, it just felt like everything was kind of arranged in his life like he, yeah she mentioned father who is actually portrayed by um sean pertley who also is uh a staple in one of my favorite movies dog soldiers uh wonderful actor um he is the guy that kind of created this society created this drug that keeps people from because he always felt that emotion and hatred and anger led to wars and fighting and he felt that it's almost like a demolition man thing he felt that by taking away feelings uh emotions and stuff like that things that would strike emotion out of you would keep people from killing each other and fighting but the irony behind it all is he's got 
men in black suits with machine guns keeping and they're everybody clerics, in order. And they're the ones keeping the order. Well, the clerics are a separate thing. They've got soldiers, and then mm -hmm. the clerics are the ones that are basically your super soldiers who are taught this uh, fighting technique called gun kata, where you, you're basically standing still and just changing the direction of where you're shooting, like behind your head, whatever, and like it's the percentage of your ability to hit the target is like at optimal percentage. Like, you, like there's opening scene. He's in the dark. He's doing his thing, and he's basically killing these dudes who are considered rebels. Um, and you know he does a very good job. The clerics are very tough, and Preston by Bale, played by Bale, is one of the best ones they have. Um, he is the top cleric. Right. Uh, his partner at the time was Sean Bean, who's well-known for his work in Patriot Games and Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Very good actor. He's another cleric, but we learned that Sean Bean's character uh, has started to not take his dosage. They, they're supposed to take their dosage like every few hours or mm -hmm. something. And so they've got these little injectors that the, each person has that they shoot themselves up with at a, a certain time. All of them do it at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like a little... Uh, yeah. Ding dong, time to take it. So Sean Bean has somehow like gotten off the dosage. And what happens is he starts coming out of the daze or whatever it is they want to call it. And he's, as these guys, clerics, go around hunting down rebels who are, who are called um, feelers or something like that. Um, they, t they sense offenses. Sense offenses. Thank you. Very good. Uh, so they're finding people these sense offenses that have all these like old objects. So whether it's a record player, piece of art, book, books, yeah, just anything. You have to understand they're not allowed to see pets, dogs. Like we've no, we there's a scene with dogs where someone had been keeping them as companions and like. They're like, why are they having them? Is that for food? Right. Like, they, they, the ones that are so dosed up are looking at this and they're like, why would they keep these animals here? Are they eating them? Like, they don't comprehend or understand. Of course, at this point, Preston is already kind of starting to come off that high. So he's picking up a puppy who's licking his face and he's understanding a little bit why it's kind of neat to have this animal. Like, mm -hmm. he doesn't understand his feelings, but he understands that it's happening. And so he's feeling because, obviously, the other soldiers are shooting down the rest of the dogs to put them down. They have no feeling about it. They, it just, it's just, it's cold. It's very cold. And we've learned that in the past, Preston uh, had to, like, actually sit there at the execution of his wife, who ended up becoming a sense offender. And She stopped taking her drug. Right. And he has a couple kids that he looks over, and that's another issue he deals with. And uh, it all plays a part in the end, but the movie itself, for the time that it was released, has a lot of familiar faces. Like I said, Sean Bean, um, Sean Pertwee, who we talked about being father, Angus uh, McFadden, who plays the um, vice counsel DuPont. He's like the lead villain, I guess, in the, in the movie. Uh, William Fitcher, who we've seen in Armageddon, uh, one of the uh, astronauts and pilots of that. Uh, David Hemmings, this is a guy that I believe was in uh, Gladiator, mm -hmm. I think, at one point. 
and then Dominic Purcell also who would play Dracula in Blade Trinity so there, there's a lot of familiar faces in this um, it's a very good movie oh Ty is it Ty Diggs? Is Tay that? Diggs Tay Diggs excuse me uh, he's one of the main characters in this who replaces Sean Bean as uh, Preston's partner and uh, yeah it's it's a really great movie and it's all about it has a message and I know I was reading a little bit about um, Ebert's review on it now the funny thing Neko pointed to me is that the Rotten Tomatoes critics and uh, ratings were very low for this movie which is kind of shocking to me um, and even uh, Roger Ebert gave it like a 3 out of 5 I think which is kind of strange but he, you know, one of the things he says that you know this would be a mindless action picture, except that it has a mind and it doesn't do a lot of deep thinking. But unlike many futuristic combos of sci-fi and FX, it does make a statement, and that's kind of true. Um, I don't know how much it applies today, but when you when we think about censorship and you know being politically correct, this is kind of like stuff that falls in that category because. It's like you can't go against father. It's it's what father right. father's word is law. One of the things that uh, William Fitcher's character mentioned was, you know, yes, feelings and emotion can lead to anger and fighting and war, but he said at the same time, it can lead to other great things like love and respect. And you know, he was trying to point out that that's the whole point of human nature is being flawed. We we just we tried so hard to correct it. And, regarding the movie that they wanted everyone just to become drones and not feel and you had families that were literally just like roommates cold to each other mm -hmm. yeah like there was no touching or hugging uh we kind of get a kick out of it because his kids i know there's spoils in there but the kids had already begun to get off the drug because of their mother's death like it somehow it just triggered them maybe the mother was already doing it before that point but the son, you know, he, he played an act with his dad because he didn't know how much he knew his dad was pretty much a clerk and a cleric and what he was doing. So whenever his dad started coming off it and started checking stuff, he's like, what are you doing? Do you need to replace that? You know, you, you do the whole thing where he had to act like he was a robot in order to keep his dad convinced that he was taking his drugs and stuff. But the, both of them had already begun. The young girl, you could see a little more. She was being sloppy with the cereal like just being playful and of course the boy was like quit doing that <laughs> so it, i i feel like um a lot of times because this came out and it didn't get a lot of uh recognition and but then not so long after that you started getting a lot of these dystopian movies that were hitting it up big so I'm like, I feel like this is like way better than the Hunger Games and by miles. It's just like because it wasn't maybe in fashion at the time to have like a dystopian type. Uh, you know, I don't even know. I, I I almost want to blame it on just like lack of promotion. Like, I mean, obviously this is before Bale really became a big name, but his acting and it was so good too. Yeah. It, it, I mean, there's like, it, it, let's not kid you. There's a lot of action in this, like the gunfighting and the fighting. And, and when, when you're talking about that, like, gunslinging style, it's very cool to watch. Yeah, there's a lot of cool chore uh, 
gun choreography mm-hmm. in this. Um, especially the ending scenes is very, like, it's a huge payoff. Like, you can't help but smile at what's going on. And, you know, there's no bullshit. Like, one of the things I love about certain films, especially with Bruce Lee, like, when Bruce did films, and I, I'm going off a little bit, but when Bruce cool, did yeah. his films, he didn't play around with the idea, like, okay, yeah, you, uh, we're going to have an equal fight for a while, and then I'm just going to beat your ass. Well, well, the only time he really kind of did that was with Chuck. But any other time that Bruce fought people, he whipped their fucking ass. And even if they were, like, badasses, mm-hmm. they didn't stand a fucking chance. And I love that. I love the fact that he was just that much better than the, the person that was trying to beat him down or kill him or whatever. In this, Preston is your fucking best cleric. And... The people it that shows. Yeah, the people that wanted to shut him down at the end, even Dake's character who was like, I'm going to make my career with you, we, you laughed at it when we when it happened. We're like, mm-hmm. that dude was done in like two seconds. It didn't even take that long. Preston like just took care of him in no time at all. With that, a sword too, not even with a gun. Right, it was like, yeah, it's like, dude, you just never stood a chance. <laughs> like it's... That's how. That's what I like. I don't like the beating around the bush. Like, oh yeah, this guy's actually pretty good. You really just kind of got lucky. No, he's he's the best for a reason, and that's sort of the whole point of this. He was the only guy that the rebellion could count on to go in there and do what he did because there's just nobody who could shut him down. And some some people I was looking at this to have kind of kind of made parallels to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That this is not not like in a dystopian future, but like you know you got the rebellion underground kind of infiltrating into the you know the new republic, and I, I understand where people are coming from with that too. So I understand people's uh, criticisms. Well, I mean, you could take just about any film, and that will happen. Um, I do like one of the taglines that's probably on the cover of the DVD, is it says. Forget the Matrix. This is the film to watch, mm-hmm. and I and I like that because even though I like the Matrix, don't get me wrong. Um, again, I, maybe it's a little bit more personal to me because I saw the movie for Fahrenheit 451 when I was in high school, and it's probably one of the few times that I was actually engaged in class <laughs> was watching this because I'm like sitting there going like, this is a crappy fucking future. This is not what I want. Because, you know, here we are, we do a, a, a music show, and you have to understand... We'd be burnt. When you come down in our basement, everything would be shut down. Everything, yeah. The, what was it? He uh, Preston was in his room, and he woke up, and he was starting to come off the drugs, and, like, he realized, like, in his room, it's basically kind of like a little bit like... It's not really wallpaper, but it's like a it's film. It's like a film on the on the window. Blocking out the sun. And so when he's peeling off, he's able to look out. And it, it, it may not be much because it's like a cityscape, but he's like, there's feeling there. And he's like, and then like when he finally hears the, the gramophone, mm-hmm. he's literally like bawling hearing whatever, what was the song, Beethoven or it something? Was, it was Beethoven. It wasn't the fifth. Um, but... You know, he's he's literally having a reaction, was, uh, and know, that's when you said... orange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Preston's having a reaction that is so emotional for him that he couldn't hold it in. Like, because he's never heard music without being on that drug before. Right. So, and, and then, of course, there's other issues he's dealing with. Uh, someone who 
they arrested for a sense of fence a woman who kind of resembles his ex his wife that passed, and she's now going to be executed. So he's dealing with that grief because he knows he's put her there, and he's trying everything can to get her out of it, but he's too late for that. So there's also the breakdown with that. But did the final ten minutes of that movie is just so good i mean if you if you don't want to watch it for like the political stuff just watch the last 10 minutes for the awesome fight scene yeah you can literally find it on youtube i've seen it on youtube too so but the point is the whole movie is good and when she says political it's not like it's preachy but you get you feel it yeah you do feel what's going on it can't annoy you but i just i think that overall it's very entertaining I do too, and I remember you saw it before I saw it because you were described. You described that whole music scene with him listening to the gramophone and breaking down, crying, and that's really what I was like. This sounds really crazy, and then we watched it together, and I was like, "This is fucking badass." Well, and that's the thing that everyone was facing was that all these people who were finally getting off the drug and trying to help like the rebellion itself needed someone like Preston to kind of be the catalyst for because they had plans in place but they didn't have the means to really do what he could do Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of the arrogance of uh DuPont who you know he was thinking oh yeah we we got him right where you want you're going to infiltrate the rebellion and then you're going to bring him to us and he thought he had outsmarted him and sort of in a way he did because Preston wasn't expecting some of that but that's sort of like i think in a way for what i took out of it was the moment that Preston's on the lie detector and you know they're going through the whole spiel and then he's like without incident and then that's when Preston's like "Mm, no not without incident you're gonna have some issues now and that's if you have Preston, the cleric, who is drugged up, maybe he does well fighting through that. But I think what helps him a little bit more is that he actually has the free thinking ability. And he has something to fight for. He can adjust his, his mindset of how he has the skills. He just he can adjust his mindset how he's going to fight. So even when he faces Diggs later, he can say, okay, well, we fought this guy once, but I was kind of still under that shit. So let's see what he does when I change shit up and... You see what he does. Right. So, that's sort of what um, Fitcher's character was kind of getting at overall, is that human beings aren't perfect. We're going to have wars. We're going to have anger and emotions. But at the same time, they're not always negative. It's not always going to be that way. And we have other capabilities. And that's the thing that... uh, father's vision kind of lacked was that he thought he could just wrap it up in a drug and that would be it but it created more problems than it ever did because no one could be human like i think it was the woman that was being executed she's like what are you living for what exactly are you living for what what is it you want and she was right like if you're just going to be a robot the rest of your life that's not much of a life period no matter what you're doing and we saw people all the time in the film, just walking around. I don't even know what kind of jobs they were doing. That was something they didn't really touch on, but... Well, they they keep throwing it out there like there's no more wars. Yes, there is. You're causing the wars because people refuse to take their drugs. Right. Yeah, and then, you know, the rebellion. You're still out there, and that's something Sean Bean's character was pointing out earlier in the film, is that, you know, Preston was like, well, 
there's no more killing or anything like that. And Preston and Bean's like, no, there is. We're murdering people for having feelings. And he was like, is it? Like, that's just... Right. And then he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, is it? And it's just like his inflection. Mm-hmm. Preston could tell something was up. Yeah, it's just... Without... Like, it, it was really lucky because Preston missing a dose was really what started it and maybe if he never misses that dose then i think it's the one he dropped mm-hmm. he dropped it by accident and that's when it kind of started so you know he didn't go and refill it and he continued to start feeling and understand what his partner was getting at. even quotes him later <laughs> ironically like well i'm gonna take this dog and or what is a book and he's like i'm gonna take it in because they you know they miss sometimes things. they miss things yeah so Great movie, highly recommended. Um, I loved it. I know Neko does too. Uh, it's it's fun to go back and check these things out because you know it's again something we get to do together. Trust me, I already know what next week's pick is, and so does Anubis because it is what I watch every year when it is St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and I think I know we're gonna follow that up with. So it's gonna be a fun couple weeks. Fun two weeks. All right, well, let's get back into our music. Um, Grand Sounds provided their opener here with Downcross, Light Bearer of Chaos Fire. And we're going to have to feed, like, the monster upstairs because she's howling. (laughs) Here we go. Downcross.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you
Alright! Fuck yeah, motherfuckers! Coming from Horror Pain. That is Mortify, Obelisk. That, suffering. like, entire block of music was pretty... What was the first one that, um, I was like, that was fucking awesome. And you're like, yeah, that's that's from Grand Sounds. I was like, oh! Well, it wasn't the first one. It was the second one? Well, the third of the first block. That's what I meant, yeah. Elder Rooney, Treating the Path of Cryptic Wisdom. I was like, that's pretty badass. Then Vlad, Vlad provided some executionists with never any violence. That was right before the Mortify. Mm-hmm. And we are getting ready to get the fuck out of here. We're never ever getting the fuck out of here. We live here. I'm talking about this show. Oh, okay. We hope you all enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to Ian Zarado from Prestissimo. Prestissimo. Yeah, I have a hard time with that. <laughs> for uh, joining us, uh, great interview. Uh, thanks for stopping by, man. Let us do that with you. It was beautiful. Uh, we had a great interview. I love listening to your music. It's still plugged in. I'm probably going to listen to it again tomorrow. So thank you so much for spending your time with us this evening as we go on and on and on and on. Thank you to all for the new liners that you all provided. Uh, some of them I did myself, but other ones, uh, Blake and uh, the rest of you, appreciate it very much. Uh, keep them coming for anybody that wants to throw us some liners for love of the show. We greatly appreciate it. Also, if you have requests for certain songs, you can do that as well. We've had people put in fan requests. so We like fan requests. Yeah, so if you got shit you want to hear, man, it doesn't matter what it is, old, new, whatever, let me know. Old, newer, in between. We're going to break out of here. Got one last track for you. It's called Crushing Force, Inferior Humans. And we'll be back next week. Enjoy, peace, and love. Recycle. And no anger. Live Recycle! Yeah, good Devin song. All right. That's coming up next month, so we're going to have to play it. Yeah. Enjoy, folks. Nubis, out. Neko, out. <laughs>